Okay. Uh, this is the next version of Cronus Rants, and I have a guest, uh, Nicole. We went to high school together, so why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Okay, I'm Nicole. I just turned 40 years old. I grew up with Rasan. We went to high school together. I also have uh, been doing hair for 20 years. I do hair for his partner, girlfriend. And my daughter. Yeah. Huh? I said, and my daughter. Yeah. Daughter, yeah. yeah. Um, jack of all trades, master of none. Mother of three, baby vegan, atheist, feminist, humanist, humanist. That's a good one. There I am. And you have a farm, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I have a little homestead. So I've been on the farm for five years now. How many animals do you have? A lot. A lot? Too many. <laughs> Um, we just recently did a downsize because we keep having a situation with goats. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> we have a lot of females, and this year a goat from another from a neighboring farm hopped the fence and impregnated my whole for, my whole my whole herd. Damn those goat fuckers! Uh, <laughs> so, um, but again, uh, it's during this time as a farmer that we became vegetarians and vegans because. Sentient beings, and then just educating ourselves in the call to do better for the earth. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I understand part of the uh, the vegan side. Um, mm-hmm. If I could hunt for my food, I'd, do, I'd much rather do that. I'm at some point. What's that? I said if I could hunt for my food, I'd much rather do that because I think that Great. for me, like the big deal is the uh, the factory farming because that's it's it's horrific. It's horrific, and it's absolutely destroying the earth. Like we as consumers. Like, we take so much time to recycle and talk about our carbon footprint, but really it's it's the methane gas from agriculture farming. Well, it, yeah. I think most people, are just, they're totally totally ignorant to it, um, to, like, what really goes on. But the problem is that we have a lot of people, and the way that our society is set up right now is that we can't... It's hard for us to, like, switch over to, like, being even just a little bit more plant-based because yeah. it's, it's so easy to get nutrient-dense you know, food from an animal. But yeah. I think if we utilize different spaces a little bit better, you know, maybe stop growing grass and start growing like a little, your own little garden, then you could feed yourself and you could then, you know, at least you'd have a, a stopgap, you know. Which is what I, yeah, we, actually, I didn't post it to Facebook, but like we, we've been growing food for this entire time. And this year we really honed in on like a, like a small space and we probably just pulled like, 20 to 30 pounds of food today. Wow, nice. Yeah. That's so cool. that's really gratifying, especially in a time like this. And that's a whole reason why we, you know, went on a mission to build the newest, like, little food forest on the property. It was, you know, you don't know. Like, we're at the beginning of this whole COVID pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're you know, still fucked. <laughs> like, what the, f- you know, like, we don't know what it's going to look like six months from now, year to now. You know, and uh, I was like, okay, we need to just, we need to just start growing as much food as possible. Yeah, we, we started growing a little bit too. Obviously, we don't have as much land as you do, but we started growing some food. I, we started using our uh, arrow garden to like, and then we transitioned stuff out of there into like a small little um, garden. So we'll, we'll see how long that's going to take. But yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's interesting. You know, what's, what's actually interesting is like, I, I listened to like a bunch of like farming uh, podcasts. Mm-hmm. there's this guy that comes on Joe Rogan's podcast every now and again. I forget the guy's name. But the way that he does, like, his farming is, like, he does it, like, the way it's supposed to be done in nature. Like, he, they do slaughter animals. 
but they live like a normal life and they like basically use like a like an acre of land and they rotate things around and they don't segregate out the animals so the chickens and the cows and everything else they you know they, they live together and then once yep. they move um they use the fertilizer because they obviously they eat all the grass and they fertilize the land they move on and then from the fertilized land which is the way it's supposed to be done they plant you know other vegetables and it's but just, we do yeah it's like why don't people just do that like it's we don't kill our animals, but we do like we mostly started with our animals because we have two acres of untouched grass and was yeah. like you know it's a lot to um to even just mow so it's like okay let's get a few animals which turned into a lot of animals but yeah. again same we don't slaughter but we do use their poop for fertilizing you know this year we cleared out one area um fertilized it and then you know we still have to do like our top layer and then by next spring you'll be ready yeah that's to... the way it's supposed to be but i think most people they don't understand the way that plants grow <laughs> like it's kind of dumb it's like when like when people get mad when when like a, a dog this is the, the the ultimate thing for me it's like when a dog shits on somebody's grass and they get super angry about the dog shit on their grass but meanwhile they, they spray shit on their grass to like get the grass to grow and it's like yeah i get it you know it's it's inconvenient to have shit on your grass and yeah he's probably picking yeah. it up but it's like you're still using shit to feed your grass <laughs> exactly exactly circle life yeah yeah we've been told about it for years and people just did not understand how it there, well there's just my favorite two words lately is the cognitive dissonance yeah yeah you know and and then there's like just the adamant cognitive dissonance because my husband and i were vegan we are, you know, we have watched the documentaries that are palatable and we've watched the documentaries that took us a month to get through. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then so, and you, you know, when you have those conversations with people around you, they, you know, you get a lot of people who are like, I just don't want to watch it. Yeah. They don't know. They just don't want to know. Yeah, I think most of it is when it comes to like the hard parts for people to watch is like the slaughtering of animals, right? That's mm -hmm. that's like, I could I I will never have a good argument, even though I'm a, an omnivore. I won't have a good argument of like the way that they treat the animals before they die because that's fucked up. Like to me, it's like yeah, if you want to eat meat, I mean it's it's fine. Like we're designed to eat meat and vegetables, but the way that these animals die is like so bad to me, and it's just like, yeah, that's why I'd much rather if I had if I have to eat meat, I'd much rather hunt. You know, um, but I definitely have reduced like my overall intake of everything since I went keto. <laughs> so, and most people think like when I went keto, they're like, "Oh, well, how, you must eat bacon all the time or a bunch of meat." It's like, no, not really. Like most of my diet is like cauliflower, fucking avocados, uh, macadamias, yeah. and then like I still eat, use dairy because that's an easy way to get fat in. So, mm. but I try to get you know decent sources of uh, of milk. Well, actually, heavy cream and like cheese mostly. I don't really drink milk. Yeah. yeah. I, it cracks me up because um, a lot of people were always really, well, how are you going to get your protein? And in all actuality, I get my protein the same way cow does. Yeah, you can still get protein. It's just... You know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And my health's never been better. Yeah. How long have you been, how long have you been, been vegan for? Not long. We yeah. started... I went, I've been vegetarian... I think I talked about it not that long ago, and I said five years, but I think it's been more like four years. Mm -hmm. Um, so four years vegetarian and then we just started, Nick like went hardcore. Like I literally went away for a weekend and came back on Monday and he's like, I'm vegan now. And I was like, <laughs> all right, well, <laughs> let's do this. All right. And you know, and 
honestly, he's he's the cook in the house, so it was just the descent from there. Um, I was a little slower just because I had other things going on, and so I couldn't make that jump my priority at that moment. So, yeah. um, but again, him being the chef and like he does the majority of the, the grocery shopping too. So, just over time, like that food stopped being in the house. Yeah, yeah, I think like that's how most diets in general go when i say diets I just mean like the way that you normally eat because i think most people when i say diet people are like oh you shouldn't be on a diet it's like well if you change the way you eat you know right what you eat is your diet that's literally what it's, it's called yeah it's just yeah i always like to say even lifestyle change but you know yeah. and even there's a lot of rhetoric around plant-based based versus vegan and because there's so much stigma about being vegan so I get that too. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it, it, you eat the way you want to eat. I mean, if you're feeling better, do it, you know. Right. I just short and like at the end of the day, like if food's the thing that gives you happiness, yeah, I'm a little for it. I know like there's a lot of not healthy choices out there and whatever, but fuck. Yeah. Just fuck. It was hard for me you to know? just like, when I had to give up carbs, when I, when I realized that for a medical reason, I'd basically, like, give up carbs or just, like, live in horrible pain for fucking, like, months. That took right. me a while to get to. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to cut out, you know, basically all my carbs for, like, I think I was, I, I was, like, strict keto for, like, probably eight months. Where it was just, like, mm-hmm. literally my carb count was, like, 25 grams of carbs a day. And everything else was just, like, fat and very little protein. And... Um, the way I felt after that was like, it was awesome. And then once I came back to like eating sort of normal and I had like a soda, I was like, how the fuck are people drinking a soda? Like, it's so sweet. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I gave up soda. I was pretty heavy after I had Memphis, my first daughter. And, um, so soda was one of the first, was the thing I gave up. And yeah, I do not enjoy soda at all now. Like it's so gross what? it's so sweet so yeah. just <laughs> i drink LaCroix, i drink Lacroix, or i use like the uh the soda stream with like the the no sugar like just like it's just like a little bit of flavor like essence really of like lemon or some shit and it's funny because yeah, yeah. other people drink it and they're like oh it's it's so gross i'm just like that's because you're used to like drinking shit that you shouldn't be drinking all the time you know like sugar yeah. should be a tr- to me anyway sugar should be a treat um yeah. And most people don't they don't treat it like a treat and then they wonder why they're horribly overweight. It's like cuz you're right. You're not working off those carbs. Um this is interesting. This isn't how I thought we were going to start this podcast, but it's it's fine. This is no. how podcasts work. <laughs> so in my in my you know, quest of life, it's all connected. Yeah. You know, um and the topics of, you know, what we're going to get into and racism and hierarchy and food, it's all fucking connected. Yeah, I think a lot of yeah. people, they don't understand that, like, when we get to, like, the racist stuff, which we're going to get into deep here in a minute, is that there's places here in America where you you don't have a fucking grocery store. You have food deserts. So, like, you literally yes. have nowhere to buy your food. You have to eat shitty food because you're forced to. So, and it really made me like, when, like, you know, the, 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 that term food desert, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a new one, but upon hearing it, it made me think and like, you know, I live out in the Valley now. I live out in Manteca, yeah. um, but I've lived all over the Bay area. I've lived in Fremont, Newark, 
Hayward, Oakland, San Leandro, but specifically I remember my time in San Leandro. And like, so Nick and I've been having these conversations a lot about like, you know, where do you see like the majority, like how many grocery stores do you see in San Leandro? How many grocery stores do you see in Oakland? Yeah. We used to live in Washington square. And I was like, think about how bad the produce always was there. Mm. It was limited and it was usually halfway bad already. Yep. Like scarcity, scarcity. And that goes back years. I mean, it's it's through uh, redlining and a whole bunch of other, mainly redlining. And it was like, it, it was federally sponsored racism is the reason why you yeah. have these food deserts. And the fact that they don't want to own up to, to these issues to this day are a problem. Like when you when you have like, say, Section 8 housing and public housing, like they're only, they're, people are forced to live in these ghettos. And when I say ghetto, it's basically a place to where you have, um, you know, lower income people. But it's also, it's not just lower income, but it's also um, just one eth- ethnic group, yep. you know, there. And it's just like, it's really strange here in America that we still have that to this day. But it's just like, at the same time, once I started doing my research on it, it's like, this is all by design. And, and, oh, yeah. the, and the fact that it was in California up until like the the, the 90s, it's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> it's like. And it still hasn't changed. You know, well, um, well, you can buy a house now, like pretty much wherever you want. But, you know, I'm never going to move to a ghetto and nobody, nobody wants to move there. You know what I mean? Unless unless you're low income, you have nowhere else to live. But it's also at the right. same time, that that's when it gets into gentrification, where they take a, a ghetto and they jack up all the housing prices and then they have to move somewhere else. But where are they going to move? But also think about, okay, and this was just something I was thinking about today. So it's not even like a very f- full out formally thought because absolutely I found myself in neighborhoods I did not want to be in yeah but at the same time I grew up thinking places were ghetto that aren't actually ghetto yeah yeah (laughs) like like where we grew up for example like I grew up believing like Bain Street and all the houses in that area were ghetto (laughs) yeah because they were lower class because they're Mexican yeah. You know, or even like upon moving to Tracy and, you know, having white people tell me that like, oh, that's the ghetto area. And I'm like, sure, the houses are like a little public housing looking, but I'm like, what's ghetto about it? The fact that everybody's the same color? Yeah, that's the main thing. Well, we already know this, but it's like, when's the percentage of, pe- of, of people? Like, you know, a certain percentage of brown people living in an area most European Americans tend to leave those areas and they warn other people that look like them to not go to those areas and it perpetuates the problem, you know? Um, yeah, it's, it's some really fucked up shit. Um, and let, let's rewind a little bit. We just talked about obviously some, we some, did, yeah. some deep It's issues. very easy to like get off cuff and off subject really quick. I'm just warning you now. <laughs> no, 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 it's, shit happens to me all the time. Um, yeah. but let's just rewind a little bit because, um, how did you like find yourself on this journey? Cause I consider you now like an activist and I didn't see you when I knew you in high school. I activist would not have came to my mind with you. <laughs> Let's be real. Um, to be honest, I have spent my life feeling like I didn't know my ass from holding around. Well, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to be, um, I grew up in the adage of good old boys and, you know, and being a hairdresser and having 
opportunities to talk with people one-on-one on on a day in and day out. Like you start to have a lot of conversations with people. And one of the conversations I got really fucking sick of having and not being able to articulate was redlining and having conversations with people who aren't racist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But are concerned with, where the school is at, what ratings that that school gets when, again, isn't the whole idea of this fucking common core curriculum to be that everybody gets the same education. Which they don't. We all know this. (laughs) Right. But the whole ratings thing to me just, it became bullshit. And then, like, you know, and even who's a teacher talk about, you know, oh, why it is that way. And I'm like, but don't you fucking understand? And I couldn't, I couldn't articulate why what she was saying was wrong. Yeah. And, and not having the information to fucking back it up. And so I guess I got tired of being ignorant. Good. I mean, honestly, I'll keep 100 with you right now. I was kind of the same way because if you'd asked me, you know, probably not fucking six months ago like am i I all about black lives matter um like the phrase for me is fine even to this day the phrase is still fine with me but i still have a problem with like the organization um right but the phrase to me it's like yeah no shit and the fact when they started getting backlash i was like why are they getting backlash but i just kind of like put it off to the side and then when i you know kept hearing phrases like uh white privilege i was like you know i don't really believe in white privilege that's what i said before because the way it was presented to me was that I couldn't get opportunities here in America um, that somebody white um, would get. But I started to realize after a while, it's like, I'm an aberration. Like, there's nobody black that I work with in my field. When I see somebody in my field that's black that does exactly what I do, it's rare as shit. There's like yeah. fucking three. Like, seriously, it's like three people that I can think of off the top of my head that, that do what I do. And it's just like... It shouldn't really be that way. Then I started digging into it. It's like, I, I've seen things where it's like, you know, European Americans would just like cross the street when I'm walking towards them or, you know, take the next elevator or look at me like I'm not supposed to, like I'm not supposed to be somewhere. And it's like, motherfucker, I'll probably make more money than you. You know, and it's like, you're looking at me like this, like I'm some kind of threat to you and you don't know shit about me. And once I like started realizing right. that, it's like, okay, that's what they're talking about with white privilege. Because like, I, I think... A lot of people on, on, like, the right, they package it in a way to where um, people have to agree that... Like, they'll ask, like, a black person, what's white privilege? Like, somebody random in, like, a ghetto. And it's like, first of all, somebody in a ghetto probably is not even going to fucking understand what white privilege is. Because you want to know why? Because there's no fucking white people there. Because they're stuck there. And that's what... It pisses me off when I see videos like that. When they go to just talk to random, you know, African-Americans in ghettos and, like, talk about that kind of stuff. It's like... They don't, they don't see the cage that they're in, but they're in the cage. Like, a better question is, why do you think your schools here are so perform so poorly? Why do you think there's no upkeep in your homes? Why do you think there's no upkeep on your streets? You're paying taxes, right? And then you can explain to them what white privilege is. Like, but they don't do that. They just ask these kind of asinine questions, and it's, and it's fucked up. And I was, I was drinking the Kool-Aid for a while. Um, I wasn't, like, disparaging other black people. But I was like, I was just like, well, I don't see it. But I just wasn't looking hard enough. You know, I was, I was kind of flipping about it. So. But that's the, you know, the indoctrination, you yeah. know, too. Of, 
again, like, again, atheist, I have a problem that is deep-seated back to the understanding that even religion was a way to make people obedient. Yeah, yeah. I'm an atheist as well, so everybody, most people probably already know this. I don't know if you knew this, but I'm an atheist as well. And it was the same. What's that? I'm an atheist as well. And I I came to the same, like, I read the fucking Bible, and I was like, what is this nonsense? (laughs) Like, seriously. I've read, I won't say I've read all of the Bible. I've read some of the Bible, but then I also read books like, lead lead us not into Penn Station. And it's just all like, you know, counter rhetoric to some of like the more bigger bullshit scriptures. And it's just, right, again, breaking down the languages of what got us to here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think most people, they, they, they can lead these very comfortable lives, especially here in America. Um, and I've been to places mm-hmm. to where it's like they're not comfortable to live in. Um, but it's easy here right. to just go with the status quo here in America because you, you'll be rewarded by it. If you just do what they tell you to do, it's easy. Just shut up and quiet. Yeah. And just go along. Yeah. And I was very much raised that way. Like, yeah. Be seen, not heard. And obviously it, that don't sit well with <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I think a lot of people, I, I don't think they, they question themselves enough and that's where the cognitive dissonance comes in like they they think that because i thought something then i should believe the same thing now and it's re it's it's reinforced with like the media like if somebody goes back on something like oh well they're a flip-flopper it's like no like listen i used to live in fucking santa claus but i'm an adult now i don't believe in santa claus right (laughs) right like you're allowed to change your opinion or your belief based on new information yeah and people just, they don't want to do that now. It's because they, they get comfortable. I'm just going to go with their, what everybody else says. You know, whatever, left, right, whatever. And I get it. Like, I would love nothing more than to disappear off the fucking face of this earth. Like, <laughs> funny, growing up, not with money. Growing up with parents who were drug addicts and alcoholics. Like, white trash was such a, it's such a, Thing you don't want to be in life yeah. living in a trailer you want to be in life and like here i am i'm like man i cannot wait to retire and get my mobile home and just pack it up to the desert yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's go hang out the aliens or what the fuck ever you know yeah but honestly i just want to get we're... away from like people here like uh, me and you know krista we've had serious conversations about just like leaving america just like yeah it, it's hard to to, to raise you know, because we have a a baby now that we adopted that's like she's browner than I am, and it's just like I don't feel comfortable with raising her here. You know, after a certain point, like yeah, I really you don't. just want me as your guys' friend and family, and been on every fucking step of that journey with you guys. Like, I want her to just be able to walk down the street without fear over her body. Yeah, over her body as a black girl, as a black woman, as a woman. Yeah, you know. The, I don't even know how, like, and that's the thing. And maybe, you know, that's part of, like, this journey into activism, too. It's, like, I've always been a very empathetic person. Um, I remember, this is this is a story here for you. I was not 21 yet when 9-11 happened. And I remember two weeks, two weeks before it happened, venomously arguing with some Navy guy about how something like that could not happen on America soil. Too rich, too rich. Wow. That, yeah. 
Uh, and I've always been a person, like, since I was a kid, I've been a worry wart. Like, I've been in my head. I worry about things that don't pertain to me. And, like, you know, we don't see what happens overseas. Mm-hmm. But I imagine, I imagine what's happening to those mothers and their children and the fear of, like, not wanting that to happen to my own children. And it's like, and how do you sit with that and not make a change? Yeah. Like, how do Pete, how does any fucking human being, any fucking person that calls themselves a good mother or father watch Michael Brown get shot in a fucking street and not be impacted by it? Yeah. Or hear his mother cries knowing that her, his fucking, like, I'm sorry, I'm not, I don't want to be a crier, but I'm a crier. <laughs> okay. Uh, hear another mom's cries and, like, it, you, you can't just sit back and not do better at that point. Well, this is the thing that I... I, I go ahead. Like, the, it just it, it hurts me that people can't connect to that, I guess. They can't relate to that or they can't feel... They're not feeling anything when that mother is crying. Well, I think it gets to a point, I, honestly, where it's like the us versus them thing. Because I've seen it so much, especially on Facebook, and they don't even, they don't even understand like what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Is that they, they need like an enemy... And to them, like, that person that died, they have to immediately dig up any kind of, you know, backstory on them. Like, what have they done bad in their past? Like, whatever they did bad in their past is, to me, is irrelevant. Like, what he did at the time was relevant. Like, was he trying to kill the police officer? Like, what was he trying to do? And then they have, like, this whole, I'm going to, I have a lot of people that are friends of mine that are, you know, in law enforcement. And this might piss them off. All right. Yep. But when I see somebody that's unarmed dying at the hands of a police officer... And then somebody brings up, you know, Blue Lives Matter right after that. It's like, okay, listen, you need to fucking understand what you're saying. Yeah, I understand police officers' lives matter. But you know what? They're supposed to protect us. That is their job. They're paid to do it. They're paid to get put in harm's way. And the fact they have this power over people and they abuse it and take somebody's life. And the fact that you don't even want to recognize that and just say Blue Lives Matter. And you won't even mention the person that they just happened to kill is a serious fucking problem to me you know because you just you and, don't and want to understand we're sensationalizing a minority in that manner yeah again i cops are not killed proportionately as much as the people they're fucking killing yeah yeah and again before you were a part of your fraternity and brethren of cops and fellow police officers you were somebody's friend you were a civilian you take that uniform off and i don't give a fuck what anybody says you're still a fucking civilian that's my opinion yeah you you dan like to like make that discord and that disconnection between a fellow human yeah they don't they don't do it so again i was going back through some of your um podcasts today to kind of catch up and like I wrote this down because you really fucking, it stuck to me. You said, you know, in the theory of, you know, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. You said it is the greed to protect and serve, not to indiscriminately dole out your version of justice. That shit stuck with me. And I fucking rewound it like 10 times. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was like, hold on, let's get into that. Because like, again, like we automatically just give this power 
to cops. Well, they shouldn't have been doing this. They shouldn't have been doing that. They're the cops. Like, why do they have so much authority over our bodies? Yeah. These are our bodies. Yeah. Not theirs, not governments. Ours. Yeah. I, Yours. I, yeah, people don't, they don't, listen, and I was in the, I was, I was in, uh, I'm a Marine, once and always, and all that shit, or whatever. And it's just like, right, right. I understand having the power, you know, but you also have the power of restraint. You know what I mean? Like, you could, it's, it'd be so much better to, like, let somebody live, to, to have somebody live and let the justice do their job. Because um, I think a lot of cops, they don't understand. It's like what you were just, the quote that you had from me is, they don't understand that they are not the executioner. They are there to apprehend a suspect bring them to jail, and then to have them to be judged by a jury of their peers. And whatever just yeah. they dole out, that's the way this is supposed to work. It's not supposed to be that, oh, this guy looked at me funny, I'm going to fuck with this guy. Or, you know, I think he's resisting arrest. Yeah, and this literally happens. All the time. I don't like the way you talk to me. Yeah. Let's fucking... It's, and it's, it's, not, it's, it's not their job to do that. Like, I can talk to you however the fuck I want. I'm paying your salary. You know what I mean? Your job is to protect me. What if you saying that I'm talking to you wrong? Like, where's your protection at? My favorite part. There's been so much. Kind of, you know. And this was weeks ago. And I wish I could have like, I probably screenshotted it, shotted it, whatever. But it was just, you know, somebody was going on. It's like, make them do. Oh, it was in my local fucking government page, whatever. And like, they're like, it's. These, you know, it's your job to make them do what you want. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. His, he's, his major job is to be the voice for us. Are you talking about a politician? You know? Yeah. Okay. Like local, you know, it was local city council. Somebody made a statement like, oh, it's your job to control your people. And I was like, yeah, you know, no. something, you know, and it was, you know, in response to the first it was in response to the first rally that we were having here in my local town. Yeah. And there's a lot of conservative pissed off people in this town who just didn't even want to take the time to realize that it was an organized event. It was supported by the local city council and police. And, but the people that just, you know, have already made up their minds about what kind of people black lives matter are and protesters are just. Yeah. It's the, it's again it's the it's the us versus them you know they they need an enemy and it gets reinforced at the local, uh, state, and federal level. I mean we have the, you know our current president, he does the us versus them thing right away you know for every single issue, you know when he talks about the yep. coronavirus that's why he has to say the Chinese virus or the the kung flu because you need an enemy, you know what I mean and it's just like but you can't what are you gonna, what's the point of even calling it the Chinese virus, like unless. Right. What do you want us to do? Like, go to war? We're going to blow up China? Guess what? Coronavirus is still fucking here. Fix the problem that's here. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, do you guys watch Patriot Act? Uh, I watched it once when Andrew Yang was on, but I didn't like the, the guy because he kept cutting okay. Andrew Yang off and it, it fucking pissed me off. But Okay. Yeah. Is it, I like, love that show. Well, and uh, there, there's an episode about you know, um, how our, you know, our, our government, like it's a winner takes all. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then he clipped to this, this commercial for senators, governors, whatever in Maine. 
two of them race, competing against each other, doing a commercial together, being like, it's okay. You vote for him and he wins. It's fine. I'm going to still be in office supporting him. And if I win, he's still going to be in office supporting me. We're all going to work together. And isn't that the fucking point? Like, shouldn't that be the point? It's like, okay, this isn't working. This isn't working. Let's all come together yeah. and find laws that work for everybody, not just one side or the other. Yeah, but they're not going to... I mean, it would take so much, like, government... There's... Like, it's not some... Lifetime, yeah. Yeah, no. It, we, you, know, you know, but again, and they wonder why half of us want to burn the motherfucker down. Yeah. Cause it, That's why. Because it doesn't work for, like, for most people. For oh, most people, this isn't working. Wealthy white people. Yeah, I mean, just like... I mean, right now, this is the perfect time to be alive to see, like, the, the total inequities in America... Like, right now we have over 40 million people that are out of work, all right, and unemployment. Somehow, magically, I know how this works, though, but somehow, magically, the stock market is gaining. How the fuck is that possible? How is that possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they, they, they take in our money. When we, when we did these PPP loans and all these other bailouts, they gave them to corporations. And what do the corporations do? They took the money, they used it to cover their overhead, and they laid off people so they could balance their, their budgets. And this is how they fucked us. And people just, they don't, they don't put two and two together because it takes some actual research. And I understand people don't have time to, like, research everything. But you need to look into, like, where, it's your money. Like, where is it going? Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, the crazy part is, like, we have this time. Like, we were forced to have this time. And what are we doing with it? Yeah. Like, God, you have this time, man. Like, you have this opportunity to, like, expand your mind, expand your education. You know, and, you know, everybody's talking about how our freedoms are being ripped from us. But I'm like, do you still get to fucking sleep somewhere at night? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking root your head. And, like, at the beginning of this whole pandemic, I was like, wow, this, this is a great time to be alive. Again, because this is a situation that is going to have to force people to think outside the box. Yeah. Because, again, it's possible to grow your own food, to find ways to grow your own food. And, again, you know, I think I fucking, and it was gross, but I sent out a video. I'm like, hey, you know, if there's no toilet paper, cut up an old fucking tissue. Or yeah. cut up an old t-shirt. Throw it in the wash. Like, yeah. there are ways to get through this. And, like, but we don't want that. No. Or, you know, the doesn't want that. Yeah, I mean, I've been to places where it's, like, their version of poverty and America's version of poverty are, like, two totally different things. You know what I mean? Like, right. Americans' version of poverty, like, you still have uh, some sort of, like, a, a bottom you can hit where society will help you through all these various means. Yep. Even though they're they're scaling back on that. That's a whole different conversation, though. Okay? Right. But I've been to places to where, literally, they had to build their homes, their homes, out of sticks and newspaper. And when it rained, people fucking died. I was like, yep. whoa! Like, I, when I... And it was in Africa. It was in, it was in Djibouti, Africa. I was like... I had never seen that level of poverty in my entire fucking life. And that changed my life. And I've been there twice. And that yeah. once I started traveling, that's when I started like scaling back on saying that, I'm, first of all, that I'm black and that I'm African-American. Because I'm not black. My skin is fucking brown. You know what I mean? And then when I, go, when I travel abroad, they don't look at me as black or African-American. They just see me as an American as soon as I start talking. Because my mannerisms, right. all my cultural shit, it's all American. You could pick me out of a crowd, even in Africa. You know, even when I was dark, because yeah. I'm, I'm light now because I don't get any fucking sun because I'm a nerd. But when I get sun, I darken up, you know. Right. And, but you can still 
pull me out in the crowd in Africa. I think yeah. that the best thing for most, you know, people of African descent could do here in America is go visit Africa just once in your lifetime if you can afford it and see how right. they live. Like, go to a shitty place and then go to a really nice place. Like, I would probably suggest, yeah. like, um, Djibouti is probably, like, kind of a safer, shitty one. And then go to, like, Ethiopia, which is not far, or Egypt, or Ghana, or something like that, or Kenya, or, you know, just, like, even it out, you know? So, I've been to Panama. I haven't, I've traveled a little bit, not a ton. I've been to Panama, Mexico when I was young. Most of, Panama was when I was younger, too. And, um, same thing, let's go back to talking about their homes. One, their streets are, like, this big. Yeah. Like, your your car is, like, partially in the street and on the sidewalk. And literally, again, you've got five to ten people living in a space that is the size of a fucking closet yep. made out of sheets of metal, you know? And then, like, and we talk about, you know, how fucked up it is here or how we're not free and, like, I remember traveling from one part of the country to another part of the country. Like I actually, I actually family there. Yeah. My grandmother's, my grandmother's third husband <laughs> was Cuban, <laughs> but raised in Panama. So, you know, he had, his whole family was still there. And literally like you just had millet, like there'd be days that were fine. And other days it'd take the entire day to get something that should have taken an hour because you've got military checking every single fucking car. Yeah. And they're, and up and down the road with fucking guns and, you know, and that was 20 years ago. I don't know what it's like now, but you know, and then again, it, it woke me up. I'm like, we act like we have it so fucking hard in America. Yeah. I mean, and, and for most of America, it's easy, but there's other parts to where it is harder, but it's not that hard. You know what I mean? Cause, right. cause it gets back to like, I don't want to get into like the whole, you know, put yourself up by the, by your bootstraps things. Cause sometimes you don't even got fucking boots. Even here in America, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, there's certain places where you can be born where you're fucked right from the jump, you know, and to get out of there is, is hard. Like I, I was fortunate to like start at the fucking bottom and then my parents like worked their way up and then I figured shit out, you know, but I didn't have support from my parents, you know, after right. I joined the military, you know, I mean like I, I would go home and stuff, but I, I couldn't really rely on them for like financial support or anything like that. And okay. yeah, and that's one of those reasons why we'll go back to like redlining is something I didn't realize because me and uh, me and Krista were talking and I was like, you know, your your parents have, have been able to, you know, help you and your brother out because they could take money out of their homes. But I remember that my parents didn't own a home until like after I, shit, I was in my fucking 30s. And so they never had that option of like, because most people's like largest asset is their homes. But if you don't have a home, like, you can't pull money out of shit if you have an emergency, you know what I mean? If you don't have a 401k, you know, you can't pull money out of that shit. So I think that's something that people don't really seem to understand when it comes to, like, um, being privileged. It's like, just having, being able to own your home is a privilege that most people don't really understand. Because there's places in America, in the fucking, up until the 90s, where if you were black or, you know, uh, another minority, you couldn't buy a home in certain spots. So you had to rent. There's always this whole conversation, too, about, well, if a person just works hard enough. Yeah. 
I had that conversation with somebody from high school and it was probably a good fucking 10 years ago now on Facebook. And it was over an article I posted about how poor people don't ever really like, like I grew up on canned mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stand those. By the way. Yeah. They're fucking gross. <laughs> My ex used to oh, make bro. fucking shit with those all the time. I was like, Oh God, they're so fucking nasty. <laughs> So one, like, I actually hated a lot of food. I, I, I remember hitting 18 and being like, I want, I hated most meat by then already. Um, and I hated most vegetables. Like, I was just a shit-ass eater because I didn't know what good food tasted like. And then yeah. so it, what good, healthy food became an acquired taste after that because it wasn't one that I was raised on. And whoever, actually, I know who I was having this conversation with, but um, it was just, it was that same old pull of somebody works hard enough. They can get themselves out of that situation. And I'm like, have you ever, you know, you've been somebody that played, somebody played the game with the whole life, but like, and, and I don't want to even compare my own. Uh, um, what is the fucking word I'm looking for? Anyways. Um, my own traumas, whatever. That's not the word I'm looking for, but. It's okay. Lost the Hulk. All it's right. All, it's all on. good. No, I mean, like, what you're talking um, about, like, somebody saying that you just need to work harder. Sometimes it's literally impossible to work harder. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have a quality education, you know what I mean? And even, I'll give some concessions after I say this. All right. Yeah. So, but if you don't have a quality education, and you grow up in a home to where, you know, you have fucked up parents and they don't give you the things that you need at home. They don't spark your need to, to learn or your creativity or shit like that. Like, it's very hard to even understand where to put your hard work towards. You know what I mean? Cause like, it's very overwhelming. Yeah. Um, again, like, I've put out enough on Facebook this last week that I think, you know, like, I've been through some shit in my life. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't have guidance from within my home. It was get your fucking homework done. Cause I said, so, you know, so when it came time to graduate high school and start college, like it was devastatingly overwhelming because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing again, ass on the holy ground, you know? And, um, and I feel like it's been like that my whole life. Like I've had to work really hard just to get to where I'm at. Yeah. That's enough. Like I don't need more, but there's a whole lot more I could do with. Yeah. Honest. Like, you know, mo- you know, I'm a self-employed person. I'm, my husband's a self-employed person. So to be honest right now, we don't have health insurance. My kids do, but it was like, okay, where can we spend money? Let's not do healthcare. So this is something I always wondered. So I was, I was against uh, the Affordable Health Care Act only because I didn't think it went far enough, and it didn't do enough. So have you actually looked into like getting insurance through the Affordable Health Care Act and like the Covered California and all that shit? Because I literally have zero experience with this. He's on uh, on paper. On paper, we make too much money. Ah, okay, yeah. This is I'm getting fucked so, too with like the stimulus checks. I, I can I will never get one. No, neither will we. Yeah. Um. On paper, you know, when my my husband is a, we really don't make, I mean, we make a comfortable amount of money. Yeah. But, and like, 
when things started really slowing down back in September, like, I'm not going to say I saw COVID coming. I saw something coming. I knew a recession was way just by like how his business was shaping out and the way mine was shaping out at the end of the year in ways that never shaped out before. I was like, okay, something, something's on its way. And when we we're getting to the end of the year and it was like, okay, what, what the fuck are we going to do right now just to get through the next three months, the next six months? And I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I can do without health insurance for a year and pray to fucking God. We don't break something. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I believe in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's crazy. I, I don't like having means testing for, like, any sort of government program. It's kind of ridiculous to me that you have to make... So, like, I'll give the perfect example. Like, when it comes to these stimulus checks, okay? People got these stimulus checks, but it's only, like, if you meet a certain criteria. I think the first one was if you made under... If you made less than $120,000 in, what, 2018. So, first of all, right. it assumes that you file taxes that year. Right. So, second of all, it assumes that in 2020 that you're still making the same amount that you did then third of all exactly. it's definitely not going to help you if you fucking lost your job no matter how much you made if you made two hundred thousand dollars a year and you lost your job your income is goddamn zero so this this is why i've been about you know universal basic income for like the long well not the longest time since last year said so I, I heard about it like two or three years ago but I was mm-hmm. like, well, where's the money? Where's it going to come from? And then once I understood where the money could come from or it should come from, um, I was like, all right, I'm on board. Like, it should go to everybody. And when I say everybody, I, yes, it includes fucking millionaires because they put in money into the system. They, they should get a little bit out. And the what they're getting out is so fucking minuscule compared to, like, what somebody that's making $40,000 is getting out of the same system. You know, we need to stop excluding people out of that. Kind of just that, to me, it's like kind of out of spite. It's kind of like, fuck them. But right. to, to them, it's like 12 cents. Yeah, (laughs) you know like literally 12 cents um but yeah just give the money to everybody and instead of giving it to corporations because people need the money not the corporations look at so i just saw and i didn't i didn't dive too deeply into it just yet because i was you know there's a lot of information to take in right now but like i saw something pop up today about how like finland completely ended their homeless problem by giving every single homeless person a small apartment yep. with therapy, no preconditions. Yep. But like America and white people, white men just love to fucking punish everybody. Yeah. Again, they want to prove that you know they want to be in control of something, somebody, and they need to prove that everybody can be obedient to them, and that is the American model. It, it is. I mean, especially when you look at just the uh, which is the ultimate American model of like punishment is our you know our justice system. Like, we just punish mm-hmm. people when it's supposed to be... Re- you're supposed to rehabilitate them. But nobody comes Rehabilitate. Out- yeah, but nobody comes out of that rehabilitated. How can you? Because once you have... Again, and this... You know, you asked me which books I've been reading. And I... In, uh, in the middle of chapter one on, in Jim Crow right now. In the new Jim Crow. So I've oh, read all the prefaces. All the things so that... That's a lot. That's a lot of prefaces to chapter one. <laughs> oh, you got the, the new version then, right? The one that was like ten years later. Yeah. Okay. So there was a preface, introduction, a forward, another preface, and I was like, like every time I thought I was like in the chapters, I was like, I'm not even in the chapter yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's good though, because because she had to like update, you know, the update, and then for, I'm reading that on digital because you can't get it on paperback right now, so like I get lost hella easy. Um, what was I going to say? 
We were talking um, about something that was connected to the Andrew Jim Crow. Was it the justice system? And justice system. Yeah, like how, like after you basically get labeled as uh, a felon. That's the thing you were going to go to. Yeah. It labeled as a felon or, you know, even like a misdemeanor, like that's on your fucking record. And that's the first thing people fucking ask for when you go for employment. And so how many people cannot fucking get jobs because they have a fucking criminal record. You're supposed, you were supposed to have paid your debt to society while you were in prison, yeah. while you were on pro, and while you had that fucking whatever on your goddamn ankle. Shouldn't that be the end of the line? Yeah. Like, why are we preventing these people from actually rehabilitating back into society and not allowing them to get jobs and saying you're still not a trustworthy person because we've already just assumed that they're just going to keep being criminals forever. Yeah. It, it almost, it guarantees, and we already see this recidivism in the criminal system. Yep. Cause like, what are you going to do? Like if you can't get a job, but you have to have a job because that's what they tell you after you get out, you have to have a job if you're right. on parole. All right. And yep. where are you going to get money from if you can't get a job? then you have to do something illegal to make money, all right? And and that's like this whole cycle of fucking... Non- and if you have kids, and if you have paid child support, and you don't have a job, like, they're going to put you in jail just for arrears. <laughs> and it's like... Right. It, it's only... It's- so, to that whole redlining and education, you know, the rhetoric there was, well, you know, these kids, they just... They're troublemakers. They're this, they're that, they're... And I'm like, well, why? Why? Yeah. Because, again, their parents don't have the same privileges and opportunities that all these other parents have. Parents, parents <laughs> have. The parents in these communities, one, are, you know, may be a single-parent home because our government and our laws have destroyed the black or brown family unit. Yep. We're not taking, you know, we're just, you know, again, automatically labeled and not taking time to understand why. And again, what is the idea of a criminal? We, you know, again, getting back into that book, we talk about criminals, you know, and back then it was people who were sitting in protesting. But because you're black, you're now a criminal because you protested. Yeah, and if that's a constitutional right. <laughs> so right. is the protest. Yeah. You know, like our, our skew of what a criminal is, and well, they just do what they're told. But like, you know how many fucking white people I know that don't do what they're told? Yeah, I'm mostly, I mean, it is literally impossible to not commit any crimes here in America, especially if you drive a car. It's impossible to drive your car and literally do nothing wrong. It's impossible. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> On a fucking daily basis. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, so again, you've already destroyed a family unit, even if you haven't. Again, these families, these parents are sometimes having to work two to three jobs, and if they're not, maybe their job is 45 minutes away. Yeah. So they're not getting home until 6, 7 o'clock at night. That's enough time for dinner, fucking a quick bath in bed. Yeah. I mean, that's my, my household. Yeah. I was latchkey. You know, I, I would I was latchkey since I was uh, 8 years old. So latchkey, if y'all don't understand what that is, it's basically um, when I was 8 years old, my parents gave me a key to the house, and I would take the bus to school, like the public bus to school, come home, and nobody was there until yeah. like 5, 5.30 every day. You know, and then, like, you know, and look where we live. Like, a lot of people do what I did. Like, working in the Bay Area, but living out here. Yeah. Because we, you know, 
And, and so that's, you know, and I got to a point where like, it was, it was again, shitting on my job because I had to leave work earlier and earlier. I was, you know, before getting off at like six, seven o'clock. And then like, by the time I quit working, I was having to get off at three or four to get my kids from daycare by six. Yeah. And not getting home till, you know, not getting the kids from daycare until six, getting home six fifteen, six thirty, fucking cooking dinner, bath, bed. Yeah. You know, and so we're automatically scrutinizing this margin of people for having troubled kids. But it's like, dude, like, we're not even giving them the opportunity for their parents to be in the home. Yeah, it's because we're not using our taxpayer dollars to actually invest in our communities and to help families out. Which is what, to me, that's where tax dollars should be going to. You know, for one, it's to each fucking town. Like, and again, I don't understand understand shit for shit, but like just be one big state pool of money that gets distributed evenly through to each city and school yeah well you know and i know i'm not smart enough to fucking like make a plan to make that happen or if it's even possible but like in like the hippie dippy theory of like, like why can't it just be like that well it's well they i, I can tell you that one of the main reasons is because we have a uh, city taxes too and that's where like most of the city stuff comes from but yeah you're right there should be a larger pool of money that cities that need it can pull from, but they, yeah. do, but they, there's not really a, there is a general fund like that, but that's not to where most of that money goes to. Like, honestly, like if you want to do some homework, like go to you, like your, look up your budget for your city and like see yeah. where all the money goes. You'll be fucking amazed. Oh yeah. And even half then, like half of your education systems, like that's the first place they pull to go, you know, repair the fucking pothole on the road. Yeah. You know, and shit like that, like, you know, somehow, like, and that's the fucking thing that annoys me the most. It's like, you get all these bills, I don't understand half of them, and it's like, what else was written into this that I don't actually understand? Yeah. Like, you know, because even, like, our laws aren't fucking black and white anymore. Well, you have to use, like, so much of your day to just, like, really even try to understand it. Like, I'm, I'm going through, like, a lot of stuff now, and it's just like, holy shit, yeah. like, like, I'm actually doing research on, like, we're going to talk about defunding the police for a minute. Um, yeah. Only because I don't like the term defunding the police because it's honestly, it's reallocating their funds. Right. Well, well because in, when again, like defunding comes off. So like, it's such a red flag, sensationalized word yeah. that automatically ups the conservative side from even looking further to understand what it actually means. Yeah. Cause I think generally speaking, virtually nobody wants no cops. You know what I mean? Uh, we right. need to have some sort of law enforcement at, 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 on some level. But the problem is that most people don't seem to understand, especially people, folks on the right, um, is that we're, a lot of these cities is disproportionate like their their actual budgets. Like if you go to, like I was looking at Baltimore's budget. Just take a while guess what their budget for the police force is in Baltimore for one city. Two billion? No, it's three billion dollars. <laughs> three billion fucking dollars. For police force for one goddamn city. I was like, yeah. my God, like that is so much money for one police force. It, it is insane to me. Um, it, what's crazy to me is that in most places in America, including Baltimore, crime has been going down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, why do you keep adding on more and more to their budget? It's like if you got into a car accident and then you got your car fixed. And then you start driving again. You know what? I know it's fixed, but I'm going to bring it back. Can you fix it again? I'm going to pay you some more money to, like, 
for no reason. That's literally what we're doing. Like, we're fixing the problem, but you're adding in more and more to their budget. Like, it doesn't make any fucking right. sense to me at all. And they keep hiring more and more police officers and having more and more, more, more military equipment and fucking tanks and shit. Where it's like, we don't, they don't need any of that. Yeah. That's where, that's where the ultimate money is at in our government is in weapons. Yeah. And it's just like, we need to stop making like a lot of these weapons. This is from somebody that knows a lot about, at least from the military side, like just a total waste of military money. Like the fucking F-35 jet that we have, it's an insane, it's crazy. Like it's really cool. But it's like two generations ahead of like every other goddamn fighter plane out there. And it can hover and shit. Yeah, it's cool. But it costs like over a trillion dollars for this program. If it gets rained on... <laughs> if it, Look at like LAPD. Like, why the fuck do they have Teslas? Yeah, well, Fremont does too now, by the way. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, you don't need a fucking Tesla. That because they're built in Fremont that that's yeah. maybe what... And, you know, and maybe Musk gave LAPD that, too. But, again, like, instead of fucking jerking off over your toys, like, be a better fucking human. Be like, you know what? We have these underfunded schools, these underfunded yeah. human fucking beings. Let's do something beyond ourselves and just fucking take that Tesla and sell it and give it to our community. We don't need a fucking Tesla. A goddamn whatever they normally drive is just fine. Yeah. I mean... If we took the money and put it, if we put it in, if we invested in our youth, that would actually reduce crime and you would need less police officers. Like, but they don't seem to understand that shit, you know? Well, and you stop shitting on black people and just give them the same opportunity to have the same education, the same chances to go to college, same chances to own a home and watch crime rate just automatically go down because now people aren't having to fight and bang and steal for it. Yeah. I mean, do, do you know about Camden, Ohio? I think it's Cam. I think it's in Ohio. Camden, I'm missing Jersey. Jesus Christ, I can't remember what actual state it's in. But right. Camden used to have like the highest. Everybody heard about Camden. They had like one of the highest murder rates in the, in in the United States. Right. And what they did was they got a new um, chief of police, and he's like, you know what? We've been fucking up. He fired every single police officer, all of them, made them all reapply. And was like, listen, this is the new game plan. Is we're actually going to go out there. And reach out to the community and actually walk the streets and meet with people and see what their needs are. And their rates of... And they also defunded. That's what defunding looks like. It's literally this. Because uh, they're running on a much smaller budget. And the rates of uh, crime went down. It's because they, they also stopped um, arresting people for, like, petty drug crimes. Because it's, it's dumb. Totally it's, dumb. Yeah. And, and the fact that we have a... Our police force in America is even... It's totally fucking weird that you have a police force to where they can arrest you and the money goes into their budget that you pay. Like, how could you not be corrupt when you have that in your system? Right. Of course you would arrest more people. That's like... Because you would get more money. And of course you would seize their property because you can get away with it. I I think you... Did you see that information the other day that was out? Like, or, you know, like this theory about, like, why cops... Oh, it was a lawyer. It was a a DA lawyer that fucking put out this whole long tweet about how she'll get these cases that she deems just absolutely stupid and worthy of fucking, you know, doing whatever. Because, like, it's really obvious that these cops are arresting people for no reason. You know, like, they're like, she's like, you'll get these cases where, like, it's a drug bust, but the person actually had no drugs in their fucking house. No drugs on them. Nothing to prove it. 
But then now that cop just got paid two hours of overtime. Yep. End of the shift. Yep. And then, like, with the with the protests now, they're arresting all these protesters. Guess how much it, the average cost is for a protester, protester when they get arrested? It's like $1,000. $1,000 for executing their constitutional right. And now they got to pay that police department $1,000. So, yeah, like, they arrest people just to up their fucking income. It's it's ridiculous. And I probably just pissed off the rest of my cop friends, so... Sorry. We can talk about it on the side if you want. Sorry. <laughs> I love you guys, and I know there are good apples out there, but again, like, I posed a question earlier, and I'm just going to go ahead and pose it again now, but, you know, and this whole rhetoric of defunding the police and whatever, you know... The one main thing that's so painfully obvious is how much training they're not receiving. Yeah, yeah. You know, because, like, again, we've eliminated so much health care that we're just throwing mental patients, you know, into a cage instead of a hospital room. You know, we're not a problem because we don't have the means to. So, again, like... We used cops. to, though. It was the Reagan era. They, they got rid of, like, they defunded most of the mental institutions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and again, like, and then my theory of, you know, reading these books and figuring out, like, how much slavery and racism really hasn't changed. It's just got new words, you yeah. know, to mask it. It's like, again, our... our Police departments not receiving the adequate training so that they can be brainwashed into, and I know people hate words like brainwashed, but indoctrinated. <laughs> indoctrinated. Into not, yeah, that's the better one. <laughs> you know, they, they're not really fully aware that, one, they're taking an oath to hurt their, their fellow humans and their fellow citizens. But then, again, like... Um... You know, are they not receiving that proper training so they're not aware? Yeah, I mean, no. I, I can tell you from the police officers that I know, and I, I know quite a few, and I, I train martial arts with, you know, four or five of them, mm-hmm. and their training, that's it's on them for that, that martial arts training. Like, they don't, right. they don't get the training, you know, at their police department. They have to go externally. And sometimes it's like, it might be out of their own pocket. I'm not sure. I have to ask, like, a friend of mine, but... Either way, the fact that it's even an option is disturbing to me. Because it's just like... Because I meet these guys... Like, when, I, when a new cop comes in, um, I try to, like... Not go easy, but go easier than normal with them. Because I want them to... St- like, out of anybody that comes into, like, a jiu-jitsu gym, I want them to stay the most. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, please keep coming. Learn how to defend yourself. Learn how to control a human body. You know what I mean? Properly. Don't you the your firearm should not be your first thing that you go to, you know. Just learn how to do basic self defense, and a lot of them. Yeah. Um, but it comes with like people in general. But they they come in and they get manhandled once, and they're like, "Nah, fuck this," and they just leave. And it's like, but you're supposed to protect somebody, you know. But again, nurses. Yeah, I know you've seen this argument the, the last few weeks too. And I recently had a fucking client who really made me understand like this uh young people 
when they're coming out of anesthesia are violent. It's just a thing. <laughs> that happened to me once, actually. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, that it's just <laughs> where where you're at. You know, she's like, but you know, she was like, there's a certain age bracket of people that come out extremely fucking violent. So nurses and doctors are handling it without weapons. Yeah. Yeah, it's... They just... You drug, know, and it, they drug, and they into, drug me up, but yeah. <laughs> you know, let's get into the, the, the you know, when a, a criminal is walking away. Why are we shooting at people that are walking the other way? Yeah, I mean, there's two <clears> things. Because I'll, I'll give you... I hate using the devil's advocate thing. Because it's fucking stupid. Why would you want to be a devil's advocate? If you believe in the devil, why do you want to be on the side? Yeah, but, but anyway. Um, Devil's is the white person's weapon. Yeah, it, it's a dumbass phrase. It really is. Like, it's like the. Like, that's my fucking the, the thorn in my side, but let's 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 have at it. Well, I'm, so, I'm listening. It's something you can say, like, if somebody says a double edged sword, it's like, what does that even mean? Right. If it's double edged, are you going to hit yourself? Like, what the fuck? Anyway, sorry. These are stupid ass things that I hate, I hate hearing. <laughs> but. Um, Shit, now I lost train of thought. <laughs> so I was talking about double-edged swords. <laughs> and that was that. Somebody walking away. There we go. Yeah. All right, when somebody's walking away, or running away. So to me, to be honest with you, it depends on what they did. If somebody killed somebody, and I knew that they killed somebody, and they're running away, yes, I will shoot them. Um, but one of the other things I hear people say, is like, why don't you just shoot them in the leg? You can't shoot some. It's very fucking difficult to shoot somebody in the leg. <laughs> or in the arm. Or anywhere else but center mass, yeah, because they're moving. Look about, dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's like these, these these people are not fucking sharpshooters, and handguns right. are not that accurate. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I hate, you have to shoot center mass. Uh, but yeah, if if they're running away from like some petty crime, it's like run after them. If it's I, you know, if it's just a, some petty bullshit, they don't need to die over it, you know. And that gets into like the the human level of it. It's like you're taking away. Not even just a single a single human life, but like multiple lives. Because you don't know if they have, if they have a family, you're fucking up an entire fucking family. So that's at least you know, at least fucking four people. At least four people. Usually four people. But they don't care about that. You know, it's just I got the bad guy. He's dead now. But what did he die for? You know, Great. was it somebody died for fucking a twenty dollar a fake twenty dollar bill? That was not even fucking. That's to me. Human life is worth way more than that, you know? But they, but they don't give a shit. And now they want to say that, that, you know... Weaponizing yourself against a black person because I've worked in retail a lot. I've worked at Gap. I've worked at Sally Beauty Supply. And I've come across plenty of theft. And I've come across plenty of counterfeit bills. Yeah. And do you know what we do about it? Fucking nothing. Yeah, most people do, yeah. You know, like, typically, even, like, when you saw somebody stealing, like, you had to report it to a manager, and then the manager would have to physically see it in order to, to act. Yeah. And if you fucking counterfeit, like, you just handed that shit back and kept their fucking merchandise. Like, it's not worth anybody's fucking time. Yeah, no. It's really fucking not. And then, like, and again, let's get back into this, you know... I've lost a lot of friends through all this. Yeah, and I know, because you go hard as fuck. <laughs> and and some of it has been because I got so flustered I couldn't even argue back. And I, I had to fucking take a step back to 
understand my own place in it. But again, it made me think about if somebody's going to break into my home, am I going to shoot them because they're breaking into my home? No, I'm probably going to try and get the fuck out. First off, but two, like, I'm going to use my firearm to protect my body. Yeah, yeah. And body of my children. Like, if I can protect their body by saying, you know what, have whatever the fuck you want, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Because my body means something to me, but my shit is just shit. Yep. An actual disaster, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, I built my life on this, but you know what, a natural disaster can come and take that by any second, too. Yep. And then- it's easier for people to just devalue human lives. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, if somebody breaks into my home and I think my life is in danger, it's like, if it's me or you, it's probably going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm going to uh, protect the body and I'm definitely going to protect the bodies of my children and my husband. But, like, well, he's probably going to protect me, let's be real. But, <laughs> again, like, it's not about my property. Yeah, yeah. It's about my body. Yeah. So you, I think you've read. I'm gonna just guess. You've read uh, between the world and me. Yeah. Well, I've been listening to it on audio tape. Yeah. Nice. I can tell because the words you're using. I didn't think about that until uh, recently because the, the... Oh, the word body. I've yeah. been using that. Yeah. Um, I've been actually using that one before I read that book. Really. Nice. And because that word just it really, and again as a trauma survivor. This is all I have. Yeah. This is mine. And again, we have lived our entire lives like our bodies belong to somebody else. From the beginning of time, you know, all these rules and everything in, in place, like we treat our bodies like they don't belong to us. But goddamn, I love that book. And I love listening to him read it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny because like he, the way he talks is like, he's talking like he would normally talk. He's not talking yeah. about... He's not talking like a normal like audiobook narrator. Like it's him, oh. with even with all his very, like gra- grammatical flaws. But yeah, it's great. I actually really loved listening to him talk. And even I think at one point, uh, we had to like Nick had overheard some of it, and like he had a pause, and I laughed. Like I didn't know much about him going into the book, and Nick's like, "Who's narrating that?" And I was like, "I don't know," and I can't. I just can't think of his name. But the guy that plays Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you talking about Chadwick Boseman? But Tony yeah, Elsico, it's just the, the guy's name, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that was just like him. And then <laughs> went and looked up Tanisi Coates, and I was like, oh, oh, he wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually love the way he speaks, and I love that excitement he gets when he talks about um, his time in France and his lust for life and being yeah. able to walk street just as a person. Well, and I think it's going to get back to, like, atheism because uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is also an atheist. And so when, yeah. when we talk about, like, our bodies, because, like, for, for us, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, w- once we die, like, there's no, none of us believe in, like, an afterlife. Yeah, and so most of us, which is weird to me because a lot of religious folks want to, you know, ask me about, like, morality and blah, 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 blah. It's like, listen, I value human life. You know, I'm not throwing it, I don't want to throw it away. You know, I think... I think my life might actually have more to me more value than your life has to you because to you you have some weird aspirations about some afterlife we get to see your friends again but for me it's like no when I'm dead I'm just I'm fucking gone I'm you know my atoms are returned to the earth and yeah. they don't seem to understand that at all and it's hard to break that down well and that whole idea of like we must behave this way or that way to get to that world yeah you know not live this life for this theoretical life 
<laughs> like, maybe I'll die. And I, God will be real. And maybe heaven will be real. But again, if all those fucking things are real, then didn't God give me free will to decide these things for myself, to challenge these things, to be curious about everything that was put before me? No, because but, you're, you're excluded from God's plan. That's that's their thing. God has a plan, but not for you. Because if God, well, because again, if God had a plan, why are there starving, dying children? Yeah. Why are fucking bodies dying on the streets? Oh, because some white dude decided that black people were three-fourths of a person of a white person. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's insane. It's like, you have to, it, the problem is that when it comes to like religion, you have to have deep thoughts about things like really read the the words that are written and then really understand what's coming on but the problem is like like i said before it's comfort people see comfort <laughs> i i don't i live a relatively comfortable life but i do very uncomfortable shit on the fucking daily like just because i don't want to get too comfortable like before you know it's me doing jujitsu it was really it's uncomfortable for me to do it it's hard i get fucking i damn near die every time i do it and then now it's it's been taken away from me thanks to the Rona. And now I do this fucking Peloton bike. I fucking hate cycling. But I've been doing it every goddamn day. You know? Because yeah. it's something I hate doing. <laughs> Just to do it. Gotta get out of that comfort zone. No, yeah. I get it. I get it. And, you know, and again, going back to how, yeah, how do I arrive here? Like, I got tired. I got tired of being ignorant. I got tired of not being able to speak to something that I knew was so wrong. Yeah, it's and that state that we're taught to live in to not question anything. We and that you know so in that book in between the world and me. Um, so when I ordered that book, they accidentally sent me some fucking conversation book. <laughs> what? Some you know questions or whatever, and um, you know so one of the topics and it was funny because before I even opened that one, when I was listening to the audio, you know he talks about his time in you know the streets and his time in school. And he talks about being taught compliance. And so, and that has really fucking stuck with me since then. Like yeah. the topic of compliance, obeying and just not, we're, you know, there's, we are indoctrinated to be dumbed down and not challenge anything that's happening. And we're, and we're, so, and we're clearly lied to in school, even to this oh, day, lied to. Oh yeah. You know, so my daughter at the beginning of this school, this last school year, she had to do a project on Alexander the Great. And that shook the fucking shit out of me. You know, I'm reading this text with her. I'm going through the, you know, whatever with her. And, uh, and she has to, you know, list like what, what was so great about his leadership. And I was like, now let's talk about why all of that was bullshit. Yeah. Because here was a fucking white man who, again, went and slaughtered people in the name of Christianity, to spread Christianity. You took brown bodies to indoctrinate them into Christianity. And he honestly, you know, he got lucky. Talk about schools, and it's like, but we're only talking about Christianity in schools. Well, you know what's funny? I'm pretty sure historically I'm talking about this correctly. Um, is that Alexander the Great got lucky because um, Genghis Khan was on his way to fuck him up. Right. And he happened to, I think he got sick and something happened to him and he died on the way. And after that, the right. whole Khan thing um, just kind of fell apart after that. But he was about to get fucking fucked. And 
if you look at, like, um, this is how... And they don't even really teach Genghis Khan in schools in America. Genghis Khan is the reason why the, the Muslim, like, Muslim people right now are kind of like a generation, even more than a generation, like, behind where most people are, is because mm-hmm. he came through and he just, like, wrecked them. Like, he asked them to do something, like, basically give, like, a token... Um, like a token gift to him and like I think it was like land like basically like sending him some dirt and something else and they were like no nah, we ain't doing that he's like okay so he just like destroyed them all up until that point Muslims were that's how we got math like <laughs> seriously like that's why you have Arabic letters they were at yeah. pretty much the top of education but once the you know Genghis Khan came through and, and the Mongols it was a wrap and that, that same army was on their way to Europe and they only stopped because Genghis Khan died and so right. it was just, it, it was a happenstance. There's a really good, um, you ever heard of Hardcore History? No. Yeah, so it's a podcast by uh, Dan, Dan something, I forget his last name. But he has this thing called, like, it, it, it's a story of the Bongols, and it's really, really good. Wow, I'll look into that. And, and you never even hear about it in American history at all. Oh, well, because, and I don't remember where I heard this, because, again, I'm a, so fucking overloaded on, you know, information these days of, like, between documentaries and books and media, just general scrolling through the social. Um, History is written by the winning side. Yep. And it's written by the superior because, again, white people, the white man, has always been the gatekeeper. Here, yeah. I mean... Yeah. Actually, yeah. For, for most places. I mean, if you go to, you know, Asia and some certain parts of Africa, it's not the case. But for the, generally speaking, yeah. Well, because most places, you know, have been just so smothered by European whatever through, you know, since the beginning of time. Yeah, colonization. It's, well, yeah. it's insane. Like... It's weird, like, when I went to Africa, you know, going to Djibouti, and, like, they're all speaking French. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, to this day? <laughs> like, yeah. And people that don't so, put you know, together. Right before, like, at the beginning of quarantine, I got in on some Hitler history. I went down some rabbit hole on some, like, Hitler history. And then even, like, towards, like, where we're at now, like, you know, again, Nick and I have been looking to moving and, you know, daydreaming about living outside the United States and it's like, well, where, you know, and, uh, you know, and so we started doing our, you know, our homework and our history and, you know, we keep going back to Uruguay and again, it's like super colonized by white people. Yeah. Everywhere you go, all colonized by Europe, Europe and Britain. And I was thinking about going to to Canada only because they got rid of They got rid of slavery in like the 1700s. Right. <laughs> like, like they got in. They were a safe haven for, you know, slaves here in America. Um, yeah. Right, right away. Like as soon as you set foot in Canada, if you're a, a a black man, you were considered a Canadian. And they'll protect you. And to me, that yeah. that gives me some some. Don't get me wrong. There's still some history. They got some Canadian Karens out there, but it's yeah. far less than than here in America. You know. <laughs> oh, Karens. We will do anything to to defend our ignorance. I the the whole Karen thing is like it's insane to me now that it's like it's brought up now. It's it it's good that it's brought up now, but it's like the 
the fact that we're in this this climate here in America and Karen still exists, that shows how safe they think they are. They can get away with it. So they still believe that all this is theirs and, you know, nobody brown deserves any of this. You know, you don't belong here type shit. I'm just like, are you fucking serious? Like, like the clothes that you're wearing and the car that you drive, everything that you own is likely from somebody that was brown. You know what I mean? And just to totally ignore that is, is, is insane to me. Because they're comfortable. They're comfortable in their safe communities with their safe homes and their safe perspectives. And they don't just, they just don't have to care about anything outside of that. And so to learn or challenge anything, like it breaks, again, it breaks that status quo. Yeah. You know, because again, it challenges, you know, white superiority, white supremacy, white majority. Well, I mean, the, the the majority will be gone soon. Um, but I, honestly, I think that one of the things that w- that would help. Then this is um, it's not my idea. But if I was to run for, run for president, this would be my idea. I give the guy the fucking props though. It was the guy who wrote the the book uh, Color of Law, and okay. so his idea was is that you would take um, places that the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, used racist policies to keep black people out of, back in like mm-hmm. you know, sixties and even before that. Um, is you would take these places and you would you would take the percentage of people like say if we're talking about African Americans because it'll make it easy because it's like we're around fifteen percent of the population, right? So you would take all these housing um, housing developments that people before couldn't move into because of the FHA's rules, and that took money from the government to make these houses because they were federally backed. As those homes sold over time, the government would buy those homes. Okay. And what they would do is is they would set the rate of the 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 they would set the rate of the home back to when it was originally sold, um, you know, when there were FHA back loans where somebody black couldn't move there. So if it's seventy five thousand dollars in nineteen fifty five, they're sending it sold for seventy five thousand dollars today. And that house, fifty percent of those homes could only be sold to people of color. That way we can be, get back to integrating people again. Because I think like one of the major problems here in America is that there's still places where you can go around and you won't even see a black person, like right. at all. Or vice versa, you won't see a white person. And right. so I think people, I think this would be a, a better way for to get us to integrate. Because if, if you don't see us, if you don't understand the way we live, you don't understand that we're just like you, then yeah, right. it's, easy, it's easier for, for us to be the boogeyman. And I think this is a good step in the right direction. I wouldn't not force people to, to participate in it, but give it give an option to people that are minorities to move in these areas. Yeah. Yeah. And cause you know, and to be honest, and this is where you just, you start to own doing better. I didn't say I was never racist, but I've definitely like, we're so deeply ingrained to be afraid of black bodies. Yeah. You know, it's so deep seated. And again, God, I can't even, but like at the beginning of 13th, how rocked I was to see that there was blatant films. Yeah. to purposely fucking make people fear a black body. And even though like I've always had black friends, like there was definitely like a time, like as I got older where like there was just like, I started looking around like, where's all my black friends go? <laughs> how does that, you know, and how can like, I, you know, at one point Nick and I lived these, at the, in these apartments where we were the only white people there. I think there was one other white person there yeah. and it sucked because like, I stopped knowing how to have a conversation with a black person. Yeah. 
Why? 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 And then like, and I became the fucking quintessential fucking asshat who would just be overly nice because I didn't know how to speak to people. Yeah. That's <sighs> how I feel about that person. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's hard to just have basic conversations. You know, honestly, like... Well, and again, ingrained in us is always we've been taught not to. You don't talk about sex. You don't talk about religion. You don't talk about race. Yeah. And we never talked about, like, any sort of racial issues, really, on, on you know, my, my normal podcast. Up until... Oh, yeah. Nerdy shit. Nerdy shit. <laughs> yeah, it's nerdy shit. Up until recently, it was just like we just sat down and we're like, "Listen, we need to talk about this. Like, we're, we're probably gonna lose listeners, but we need to just talk about this." There's like no way a, a fucking podcast called Black and Black Counts Infinity can't talk about racism. Well, at the end of the day, again, like if you can affect one person, then you've made a change. Yeah. You know, because you might have lost 10 people, but you might have gained that one who was ready to step outside their comfort zone and have these conversations or open their eyes to what's really happening. And just, again, learning to just, it's a choice. It is a fucking choice. I can sit here and learn nothing and learn that I'm supposed to behave and act a certain way so that I can be like the more appeasing white majority. Or I can sit here and just choose not to be offended by terms like white privilege and white fragility and just listen. Yeah. Listen to some, how somebody else felt, how somebody else has had to live in life in a way that I had it, haven't. Because even though, again, I can be offended because I too have had atrocities in my life and trauma. But again, I still have resources that somebody else may not have gotten. Yeah, I think that's like one of the things that I think is left out of the conversation is that everybody, for the most part, has problems on some level. Everybody does. But it's the fact of when people say, you know, Black Lives Matter, it's like, yeah, you have problems, but like how much the system was rigged against you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and also me saying that I have a problem, I'm not saying that you don't have problems. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's another problem is like, I'm not invalidating your existence by saying that, that I'm going through these things. Recognition and it's like, okay, like this person's like point of view, it has nothing to do with me. And it's not saying that my shit's not valid. It's just saying that like, again, this is what this person's going through right now. And it's just okay to sit back and just take it and listen. You don't have to be offended by it and you don't have to defend your place in it. Yeah, because you, you know, you're not everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, people are really worried about it because they they don't want to think. It's just, it's the same the same kind of person that will call somebody that wants to wear a mask a sheep. It's like, but you're the really the one that has the sheep mindset. You know what I mean? Right. Like you don't even understand like where your thoughts are. Like you're not putting any valid thought into the things that are coming out of your mouth. Or no, we're type. protecting the. Yeah. Where where did this term come? American innocence. I'm not sure which book I read that that term in, but like the idea, like we're again trying to protect this American dream, of American innocence that we are good, wholesome people that just mean well. Yeah, no, the fuck we're not. Nope. <laughs> but like, so again, we're at this place where like there's all this sensationalism going on because it's like, oh wait, this American dream is full of shit. It only applies to one part. Well, 
I believe my version of the American dream, when I think about it, is I want to become wealthy and, and pass down wealth to my kids. That's where my American right. dream stops. Because um, I, I want to get there. Uh, and, it, and it's crazy when, when you talk about, you know, American innocence and how we're all the, the good guys and shit like that. You know, I'm a U.S. Marine and I, sir, I got honorably discharged, you know. But after the fact, after I got out, I was, I kind of got, even when I was in, I'm not, I don't take very well to indoctrination. That's why I didn't do well in school. Even in boot camp, I was just like, I'll do what you say, but I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I didn't really give a shit. I myself a bit of a, a little bit of a rebel. Rebel. Rebelly. Rebel and yeah. very say, establishment myself, so. But, you know, I, I still believed in, though, you know, like, that we were the good guys all the time until I was a contractor and I worked, um, I'm not going to say exactly where I worked, but I worked in a, a secret facility. And every day I would sit and my, in front of my desk, there was this gigantic wall. It was probably at least 100 feet wide. And it was multiple screens. And there were all drone feeds. And all these drone feeds, I'm watching every fucking day, somebody getting bombed by a drone. Every fucking day. I was just like, then I started thinking, I was like, have we vetted all these people that were bombing? Like, this is, I'm watching, like, thousands of people die every fucking day. How is it possible that we have intel on every single person that we just blew up in that fucking building? It's literally impossible. I'm just, and that's when I was like, holy shit. Like, maybe I should stop, I should just get the fuck out of this business. You know? Like. <laughs> in, one of your, in one of the podcasts I was watching today, like, you are like, you know, we, you know, you were talking about like if a kid is in my face with a gun, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm trying to have to shoot them. Yeah. But, you know, but I don't want to be in that situation. Nobody wants to be in that fucking situation. That is an un. If there's a god, that's as ungodly as it fucking gets. Yeah. There's, I mean, because again, there's no reason, like. We're having to train babies to have guns. Yeah. But it's also, it's like, the other side of that is like, we put them in the situation. Like, what I just talked about, like, the bombing. If I just bombed and killed all, and killed all your parents, like, what are you going to do? You don't know what the fuck else to do. Yeah. And, and then you get into situations where I, I'm going to say, I've heard some shit. And there's just some dirty ass fucking soldiers out there that are bragging about the people they've hurt just because they could. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna... I haven't personally... Well, nobody that I served with um, personally has done, like, some horrific shit, but horrific shit has been done. Shit, we had to disband an entire unit in the Marine Corps uh, during Vietnam because pretty much all of them were killing uh, Vietnamese people and cutting their ears off and wearing them around their necks. I forget the name of the unit, but this is this is known history. So they had to disband the entire fucking unit. Yeah, and now that you're saying it, I do vaguely remember that story. Yeah. I almost said the 8th and 9th, but that's the fucking guys that march good. It's a different fucking unit. Yeah. But it's like, you're, you're taking, what most people don't seem to understand about the military is that the military is just, a, it's a collection of us. And so if, yeah. if, if us, if we're fucked up as a society, then yeah, we're going to have some fucked up people in the military as well. Like, what would you expect? And yeah, they, they fall through the cracks, but like once you get to this whole toxic ass, um, like thinking an entire unit, like it happens. You see it in corporations today. You see toxic corporations and tox, toxic divisions where 
they're all just like shitting on each other and doing all that stuff. Now give those same people guns. What do you think is going to happen? You know, they're still pieces of shit. Look at the purge. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that's like theoretical, but again, a lot of like the shit that's in our media, I'm like, that's just a glorified version of what's actually happening. I, so. Yeah, I mean, what's happening right now, like, yeah, with, like, the, the coronavirus deaths, like, people are just, certain people are just like, well, fuck them, they're just gonna die. I'm just like, really? Like, and they want to push kids being in school. Full disclosure, my kid is actually in school right now, but it's, like, literally, some days it's just her, literally just her and a teacher. Yeah. At max, it's just, like, her and two other kids. And it's right. in a private school, and they do all, all that they can. Um, but we shouldn't be forcing people but in again, public schools to go. Where you, you know, and again, like, going into a little bit of, Thank God, like you're, you guys are in a position that if something happened, you could easily take her out of that situation. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so like I'm not against the fact that your kids, like, it's a small situation, and it's something where everybody's going to be responsible if something happens. Yeah. I, you know, and I think about the, I was just talking about this the other day, like, people are, you know, because of this, like, the whole fucking American sickness, like. Again, our health care is tied to our jobs. Yeah. So you have to have a job to have decent health care. But these jobs, one half of the jobs in America, they keep you just under a certain hourly rate so they don't have to pay you health insurance. Happens so commonly in, in like retail where like yeah. they'll schedule for a 4.5 hour shift because by doing that, they don't ever have to work them over this certain period to give them a break. And then they don't have any hours over this a week to yeah. give them health insurance. So, God, this is why I need notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, our health insurance is tied to our jobs. But, again, you get punished if you take too much time off. You get punished. I've been, you know, fucking, even, like, if you can't get, like, written up, just the bullshit you get from like your fellow co-workers or your management about calling out sick yeah when that's your right that's your right like i had paid vacation and paid time sick pay and i got shit on so hard for legitimately being sick so fast forward you have these people who can't afford to take that fucking time off i've watched kids throwing up in a parking lot and their parents dragging them into the fucking school yeah yeah it's yeah, we, we do really need to, like, redo... We don't have the luxury of just taking better care of ourselves. Yeah, I mean, I have good insurance. Well, what, quote-unquote, is called good insurance. I, I'm a PPO. But even with, you know, my, my quote-unquote, good insurance, the, the insurance company still tries to fuck me. Like, oh, yeah. And this is what I do, because I don't know if y'all know this. If you live in California and you get a fucking medical bill, you don't really got to fucking pay it. It's not going to go on your credit. So... If I get some astronomical bill from my fucking insurance company or some collector, I'm like, fuck you. Because I already know what you did. Because you went, and, it, and it's like well above my deductible. So what they did was they went, the hospital or whatever sent them a bill. And they were like, oh, um, well, they made a mistake. And they sent me the full bill. I'm like, I'm not going to pay that. That's what the fuck you're for. And I'm not getting into arbitration between two other parties. Like, I'm not doing it. So guess what? Take that fucking loss, bitch. I don't give a fuck. Like, I pay bills that are that are below what my deductible is once it goes above that you're not getting any more fucking money out of me because this is what this is what i signed up for with my insurance that's why i pay you thousands of dollars a year for and 
I'm just, I'm not doing it. I, I'm, literally, I'm literally looking at a bill right now that's on my desk for like $3,100. I'm still not going to fucking pay it. Maybe maybe someday if somebody happens to get me on the phone, be like, listen, you can go back to the insurance company and see why that's over my deductible, and then come back to me with a with a bill that is commensurate to what that's supposed to fucking be. But until that point, you ain't getting fucking shit out of me. Yeah, but that's what they want. Like they don't like they will fucking just keep making the mistakes, you know, so that you will eventually just give up and hopefully pay it. I mean, I, sometimes I pay them eventually, but I'm just like I'm in no no rush. No. <laughs> you know I'm in this position for the first time in my life where like up until four months ago I had like a pretty fucking good credit score and then like right before COVID hit like I, again like we were going through some things and I was just like so during all of this like I just stopped paying shit <laughs> well yeah I mean you have to, sorry, you have to do what you like, gotta do the first time in my life I don't even fucking care because I'm like you know what at the end of the day Visa it's still going to be a multi-billion dollar corporation. Yeah. I'm never going to be a fucking millionaire, let alone billionaire. I don't know if I'll even ever see, like, like all the money we make at a, at a large lump sum in my life, you know? So, fuck do I care if you don't get your fucking $2,000. Yeah, I mean... I'll- You're fucking... Like you're fucking calling my ass every day for two thousand dollars. <laughs> they, they don't want the whole thing right up front. They do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't pay them over time. Sometimes, I, sometimes I give them chunks with like credit with credit cards and stuff. But it's just like I understand where you're coming from. It's like if, if literally if it's the the point of like paying bills and paying your credit card or like feeding yourself, it's just like I mean, there's obvious choices that you should make. Right. You know. And, th- and there should be ways to where you have the means to do that. There should be protections against us. For some reason, we're, America has accepted that if corporations make bad decisions, bad business decisions, then they can rely on the, the American taxpayer dollars to back them up. Meanwhile, we don't have those same nets, those same safety we're nets. The, like, on top of like whatever we have to pay into our retirement, our health, or whatever, we're supposed to have a savings set aside. Well, you know what? Savings is... I don't know if... This is kind of getting to the weeds here. But savings is fucking bullshit. Nobody wealthy has a fucking savings account. None of them do. Oh, obviously. No, yeah. Because they bail out them, like a week into this shit. And you know what? And if, we were spending $1,200 last 10 weeks. Yeah, no. And even if you did have a savings account, guess what? Right now it's getting fucked. Because they keep lowering yeah. they keep lowering the Fed. And now they're talking about going into negative interest rates. And that means you have to literally pay a bank to keep your money. That's what yep. that means. No matter what amount you have, you don't have to pay them yep. to keep your money. And people don't get that. Well, you, most banks, if you don't have a certain amount of money in there, you have to pay to keep it in there. Yeah. Like, if you have, like, over $1,000 in your bank account, then, like, you get charged a fee for that. Yeah. It's, it's nonsense. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why, I mean, most far of Far away. Huh? We've gotten really far away from topics. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's all, this oh, is yeah. what happens. But, I mean, that's why people need to understand, like, how to invest money and shit like that. But then again... Like, if you're from a low-income housing, like, you don't, are low-income in general, you don't have the means to invest shit because you're living on a razor's edge. You know? Well, it's so annoying. Like, I remember, like, when I was in my 20s, like, my boss did have some sort of financial advisor come in. And it's like, but in order to, like, put those things, like, you can't live at all. Yeah. Like, the expectation is that, like, you're just supposed to suffer all the fucking time and not enjoy your life to save your money. 
And like, you know, and like, and you see it all the time. Like people are like, well, why are they going to a movie if they can't do this, that or the other? And I'm like, so you're saying just because like that person's poor, they shouldn't have the same chance to let it go for a couple of hours as somebody else does because that person has money. I'll, anybody that asks that, that says something like that now, I'm just going to ask him, hey, have you ever been poor before? Like, that's that's my general question now. Have you ever been poor? The, most of those people, I would say probably like 99.99% of them, have never been poor. They've always had somebody that can help them out at some point in time. But most folks, they don't have a fucking safety net. You know? No. They're out there on their own, so. Again, like, you get into questions like, when people are buying houses, like you see this as like, oh, well, doesn't your family have like $50,000 they can give to you? <laughs> Fuck no. Yeah. Especially if you're not black. Especially if you're black because yeah. you didn't have 400 years of fucking ancestral money being fucking. Yeah. And that's what people don't understand. It's like when, <laughs> when people talk about reparations, like uh, before I, I was against reparations, I'm still, I'm against like a lump sum payment. I'm, I'm right. I am for improving our communities. And, yeah. you know, other, other type of programs. That's, that, that's, that'll get really deep, though. But, yeah, people understand that America was built upon slave labor. Right. We, not only did we not get shit, but even after that, we couldn't live in certain places. We still got shit jobs. You know, it didn't just end with slavery. We're still affected by this today because people that owned plantations back then, they got all the money and all the profits off of slave labor, and they got to hoard all that money and that became their generational wealth. That yeah. was 400 years ago. And to this day, African Americans have not been able to, to have any sort of generational wealth because most people's wealth, like I talked about before, is tied to their properties if they happen to own properties. But if you never yeah. own properties, my like I said, my parents didn't own properties. That's one generation away. It wasn't yeah. that long ago. That's the fucking 60s. You yeah. know? But meanwhile, you bankrolled your generational wealth for 400 fucking years. We're not on the same playing field, you know? No, exactly. So, one of the books that I read a while ago, it was called, and I reference back to this one a lot because it was really good. Uh, what is the whole name of it? Where's my phone now? Um, I think it's called I'm Still Here um, by Alison Channing, and it's like the whole... I'm writing down what you're saying. The name of the book. Yeah. Where are all my books at? Come on. You use What do you use for your... Uh, use Audible or like Kindle or something like that? I have um, iPhone, so just the iBooks. Okay. Where is it? I read, like I said, I read this one a while ago. But, okay, it's called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And really, that was the book where it really fucking, like, just put shit in perspective for me. Um, and not that, like, I'm pro-segregation, because, like, obviously at this point, that's not going to work. But this book, uh, you know, it talks about a conversation, and I'm going to presume it was probably somewhere in the late 70s, maybe 80s, or maybe even the 90s. You know, because I think she's around our age. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's talking about this conversation between like her her mom and aunts and uncles, and like they're having this heated argument, and they you know goes into basically say it's like dude like when everything was segregated, like black people were able to you know again get their own communities. Yeah. 
their own doctor's offices, their own schools, own businesses, own home, you know, all the shit, right? And then we integrated. And we made all the black businesses close down, all the black schools close down. And again, now we've shifted all these people into a white world where we're paying them less money. Well, two things. You know, and get education, you know? Yeah. So we integrated, but what happened was that when we quote-unquote integrated is that black folks moved in and then we had white flight. And then after white flight happened, then they started putting less and less resources into the black communities. And even the the other black communities that um, were really successful, they got bombed. Right. Like literally by our own government. Like if you look up the, um, Jesus Christ, the Oklahoma, was it Tulsa? Tulsa. Yeah. And that like, that was in like 1918. You know what I mean? Like literally the U.S. government bombed an entire fucking city. A mob came through and shot everybody. And it's like, and that ha- that wasn't just one spot. Is that they right. saw it was, it was another situation not that, that long ago where they, well, not that long ago, but there, they, there's been more than one like yeah. bombings of like black communities. Because we had too yeah, much. Just, yep. And so, like, w- once we started trying to actually, that's when we're actually we're starting to get our wealth. Once we started to get right. our wealth, we had our own banks, hospitals, t- you know, communities, all that shit. We got bombed. Or, yep. you know, uh, like a riot would come through and just, like, start killing people. And it was cops would come through, too, and just help them out. And it's just like, dude, yep. like, if you don't see that, if you just want to ignore that, and then you wonder why why we still have ghettos here in America, it's like, well, once, once we had a good community, you killed us for it. You know? Yeah. And this is a sensitive, but it really fucking burns my butt that, like, there's... Still, they again the dissonance and the disconnect that it's like oh well you know you should be so lucky that we even gave this to you <laughs> yeah no no yeah the whole giving shit to somebody pastor who would like try to say that fucking like slavery was a blessing sure it was for lazy ass white people yeah yeah and like and that shit like and again like I, ugh, it hurts my heart as a farmer I know how physically taxing that fucking work can be. Back-breaking work. And I have the privilege of being like, I'm really tired from yesterday. I'm not going to do that today. Yeah, yeah. And if a black person said that back in whatever fucking day, they got their ass beat, and then with their ass beat bloody and broken, still had to go fucking work. Or they die. Yeah, in horrific ways. In in horrific ways. And, And, like, the fact that, like, there's anybody who can just completely disassociate from that and be like, but, oh, we've come so far, so that's good enough. No. It's not good enough anymore. If you, if it's we not can't, good enough. I mean, we, don't get me wrong, we have come far, but how, if, we, if we came that far, how the fuck did George Floyd die with a knee on his neck? Right. Like, we should have a higher standard for how far we went. Seriously. Yep. They, they need to value every human life equally. And I think that's what people don't really seem to understand. It's like you're, you're valuing, you know, a white life more than a brown life. And that, and you don't even realize it. Cause most people that saw that, those people that watched that George Floyd footage didn't affect them at all. Nope. It's like, if, if, if you toss that person into an ocean, they would drown from the weight of their fucking iron heart. Yep. <laughs> I mean, seriously, they don't give a fuck about anything. And do not disagree whatsoever. 
I wish I could remember. So, you know, I've fully admitted that, like, I've been an idiot that has said all lives matter. And genuinely, it wasn't a, for me, it wasn't a, well, my life is more important because I'm white. Yeah. Um, and I, because I think when I had that rhetoric, I was like, what about the kids in Flint? And what about the women in Syria? And <laughs> thank God, some fucking, somebody, my friend Eric actually was like, the point is moot on you, bitch. Like, <laughs> you're not getting it. And so it fucking, like, you know, and so like, recently, like, even his wife was like, wow, like, I really appreciate, like, everything that you're saying right now. And I'm like, girl, like, your man had some skin in that. Like, he was the one who called me on your on my on my All Lives Matter shit and was like, you're totally missing the point here. Okay, so you know what? Now I'm time, it's time to learn the point. That's good. I think that most people, they don't. They don't get that. I, you know, I went through, like, a similar thing where I was just like, you have to, like, go back and, like, take a look at, get our look at yourself. And be like, you know what? What I said and, like, what I did in the past might have been, like, might have kind of been a piece of shit. You know, I've said, I've done things that were fucked up in the past, said things that were fucked up, and it's like, but I recognize it now. And I move it's forward. It's like, don't owe it to anybody to even be who you were five minutes ago. Yeah. You know, and, like, I owe it to myself to do better. Yeah. I owe it to our children to do better, my children, your children. You know, because again, how can I, you know, how can I be a friend? How can I call you my friend if I don't understand your plight? Yeah. And yeah, I think most people, they don't, they don't want to put things in, in valuable terms. Because it's hard. Like anytime, it's just same thing with comfort. It goes back to comfort all the time. All comes back to comfort. Yeah. It's so easy to just like live your life and like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. Fuck everybody else. <laughs> you know? Like the these people that are hitting protesters with their cars, I'm just like, dude. Yeah, I understand it's inconvenient. Yeah, I want them to get out of the way too. But I don't think that they're. I don't want to kill somebody. Like, where do you have to go? That's fucking. I mean, unless literally a fucking ambulance was. That's the only time where I'm like, okay, maybe the human life is like way more valuable. There's a, a ambulance that's coming down the road and pro protesters block them. I'm like, all right. Yeah, and like, <laughs> definitely has been always something like I've sort of detested too um you know back when i don't know might have even been before michael brown but was it um but there was something going on and there was protests happening in oakland and they were blocking the freeways on the freeways and and i had the same rhetoric like somebody you know again like somebody you know and again and i will still i'll stand by that like somebody could be in labor yeah Somebody could be having a heart attack. But I'd also like to believe that, you know, we haven't been in a situation where we've seen that, you know, we actually, you know, as much as we make that, 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 that statement and that, you know, we might sensationalize it to why people shouldn't be doing something. Like I have yet to see where people were blocking a fucking ambulance. I haven't seen that. Yeah. Well, the problem, I mean, this and is I where. Well, I this, seen every, but... well, this is the problem, especially in the Bay Area, is that if you block a freeway. You're not gonna fucking see an ambulance because they're gonna get they're gonna be fucking stuck in traffic miles before, you know what I mean? So unless they happen to get stopped like right at the front, which is highly unlikely, you know that that's the problem is that is that you don't know. So I get that. That's why, you know, I still kind of believe that if you're gonna protest, like go to the buildings, like the government buildings and the police buildings and all these other buildings, like um, don't 
trashed fucking businesses, like small, especially small businesses and shit like small, that. Small, but like, especially in fucking Oakland or, yeah. you know, other black communities. Like, it, you know, none of my business, but, you know, and again, there's a whole theory of insurance can rebuild, but, it, you know, it like the, the point I feel does get moot when there's a black person destroying another black person's business. Yeah, I, I don't want to say, and this is just like basic human decency. It's like, listen, that person is serving your community. Right. And you fucking up their business, like, you think they're going to rebuild? You think they're going to want to live or hold a business in that same location again? Probably not. Even if insurance Probably pays not. out. You know, I wouldn't want to do yeah. it. No, because at that point, you're scared. Yeah. Now you're fearing for your life, your business, your, your, your again, everything. And again, I will stand by, I do not think a life is worth taking over material goods. But again, you're going to be afraid to rebuild your business in that area because it's already been taken from you once. Yeah, and I think that's it's reasonable. Like I've seen a lot of places that just got fucked up for like for no reason. I'm just like, yo, I mean, what did T-Mobile do to you? <laughs> you know, what did Starbucks do to but you? Mobile. I don't really give a fuck about T-Mobile. I don't yeah. really give a fuck about Bank of America or Target. I yeah. don't give a fuck. I mean, I don't care They're, about them, but it's like it. Or it, corporation. Yeah, it's, it's true of their corporation, but I, I guess what I'm getting at is, like, if you're protesting these issues to, like, elevate, like, have people, like, pay attention to these social issues, but then you also want to destroy, like, these corporations that that are storefronts in your own community, it's just, like, you're just fucking up your own community. And so I think there's yeah. there's some validity there, but, I mean, you're right. Yeah, fuck them. They, they can, large corporations definitely can rebuild easier, but at the same time, they're probably not going to rebuild there again. You know, you're just going to, it's going to exacerbate the problem. That's what I'm, I'm, part of, part of the things that I'm worried about is these places just getting worse after this because they're constantly fucking up these businesses, small and, you know, semi-large. It's like, I just wish there was a better way to do it. You know, I don't have a solution for it though. Yeah. No, that's the problem. Like I, you know, there's a lot of fucking statements thrown out that like, Where's the actual solution to that? And like, you know, one of the things I talk about lately a lot and again, and it's frustrating because I don't understand a resolution yet. And it's the wealth gap. Uh, it's to me, the wealth gap, it's universal, universal basic income is the easiest way to get rid of poverty. And it really assists with the wealth gap. It's the easiest yeah. way to do it. It's the most eloquent solution to me that works the best. Put cash in people's yeah. hands every fucking month so you, you can at least get your basic shit done. Yep. That would help. Yep. I mean, think about like a, like take a, a single mother that has to work two jobs. You give them UBI, that's potentially one job less. And that's more time they can spend mm -hmm. at home. And that works pretty much across the board. You know, just, just yep. give people a fucking floor to stand on. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's... <laughs> What, what, like, what do, what does the higher class elite, like, think they're going to lose by allowing, like, the lower class to thrive? But what cracks me up, in the same point, like, in the fucking theory of everything that's happening right now, do you watch American Horror Story? No, I don't. Okay, so there was a season a couple years ago called Apocalypse. Now, it was exacerbated and extreme and glorified. It's TV. But, like, 
the plot of it all wasn't very far off. Like, the world was fucking ending, right? There's an apocalypse, and people that paid enough money got to go into the bunkers and live while the rest <laughs> of the world was not. Yeah. And, um, and I'm like, so here we are. And, like, you're forcing, like, essential workers and doctors and, like, all the people you need most to thrive and survive in life. You're going to fucking kill everybody off. You're going to kick everybody out that, you know, you don't feel is good enough for your elite society. Yeah. You know, let's kick all the Mexicans out, all the Mexican-Americans out. For what? Like, what are you going to do when the working class is no longer here? Well, unfortunately, this is just to be, I'll be honest with you, because I understand part of how wealth works. Most I of don't, them, so most, don't me. Most of them will be fine. <laughs> They'll be fine. What's that? Most of them will be fine. Like, if once you make a certain amount of money, like, you literally can't lose it. Right. <laughs> like, no, like, pretty much but no matter what you, you do. But killing off the people that are fucking providing all your resources. Yeah, well, yeah. There's I mean, this of... isn't a theory, but, like, again, like, if every single poor person in America dies, every person in the working class is too sick to return to work the people that don't know how to do our jobs or don't want to do our jobs, what happens then? Well, see, that's the thing. Is that they don't want them to die. They want to keep them poor because they make money off of them being poor. Because you, you st people staying at low-skilled, minimum-wage jobs makes them more money because it's it's cheap labor. Right. And they, and they can keep costs low. And if you can keep costs low, more Americans will buy their product. Um, and that's that's a... There's a case to be made for capitalism being fucked up, which part of it is really fucked up. I think there's um, a case to be made to, like, we need a capitalism 2.0 is really what we need to do. Because okay. it works for a lot of people, but there's a lot of folks that don't work for. So, and that's where I go back to UBI. That's, like, part of capitalism 2.0. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's how it works for them. They, they want us to fight each, the poor people to fight each other because they're not paying attention off people making money. That's why what they did was back in the day, and it still goes on today, they are back in the day. They would make they would pit poor white Americans against poor black Americans. Yeah. I'm at that chapter. Okay, the populist chapter. Well, now yeah. they're doing it with, with Mexicans because they, they need an enemy. You know, I mean, like, we still have fucking brown babies in goddamn cages right now, and nobody seems to give a shit. <clears throat> yeah, that's the shit. Like that's the shit that like if I like dude like I am ready for a fucking revolution like i wanted to take everybody i fucking know with all the weapons and power i have and i want to just storm the fucking wall and and, and barriers like fucking carol did and walking dead and she's like <laughs> i'm gonna go kill all you fucking cannibals yeah i got this bitch like can like i just that's what i want to see happen like let's go fucking destroy everybody that is protecting the people that are savaging these people like for fuck's sake dude you're fighting over an imaginary line yeah and it's the the disgusting thing for to me like brown american well what's happening to those to those kids and those other people mainly kids though it's really fucked up but the more horrific part about it is that it's basically it's like the fucking matrix they're they're fucking batteries they're generating generating revenue for those companies and those contracting companies because they had to build the facilities and they have to man those facilities and they have to, they do it at the cheapest rate possible to extract the maximum amount of fucking income out of the government. That's our our tax dollars are putting those kids in those cages. And that is fucking bullshit. Yep. It makes me sick. It fucking again, like 
What if that was your baby? What if that was my baby? Yeah. Honestly, like... Dying in I think it would take... Ins- could you imagine if it was, like, literally a camp of, like, a thousand white kids living in those conditions? How fast I would fucking change? Right. Like, it, it would change, like, it, it, would it even take a fucking day? We would, we, would, we would destroy an entire fucking country if that happened for a thousand kids. Not even a thousand. If we had a hundred, hundred white American kids in any other country in those cages in those conditions, we would send in the Marines. It would fuck them yep. up and get, and get them back. Yeah. Yep. That's, 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 that's American arrogance right there. <laughs> like. Anyway. We're, we're yeah. running on two hours here. Oops. <laughs> yeah. so- it off cuff and distracted quickly. Um, I have no problem talking that. longer. I just want I just want to give you the the, the time. I, like I said, it's just yeah. like it's just like talking normally. See, these these are pretty easy to do, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, totally got off cuff. Like there was so much I had. Like I'm like, all right, I'm gonna talk about this. I'm gonna talk about this, and then like, we'll, la, 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 la. we can talk about one more thing. It's up to you. We can talk about one more thing. Okay, we can talk about all the things. Okay. okay. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, I don't know. What do you got? Oh, well, you said you had shit written down? <laughs> no. Oh, I already discussed that because what I had written down was what um, you what we talked about about what you had to say against the cops and well, we actually didn't, shit. We didn't get into like why... Well, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you. The, first, the, the original reason why was the important one we already talked about. Um, but I want to talk about the, the, the White Fragility book because um, you read yes. that. Yeah. Yep. So what did you think about that book? Um, I enjoyed it. Um, that wasn't my starting point into activism. As you say, I don't, again, I don't really even consider myself to be an activist Nicole, at this point. Um, your, your Facebook don't. fucking profile is literally the BLM fist. So, <laughs> and, and you went, you went right to now, like, marches. I did, but like, I would like to do more. Like, I would love to be a part of a collective. I'd love to be a part and, you know, and again, going back into my activism, like I started, I started absorbing this information just so I could actually have the dialogue to back up what I was feeling. Yeah. You know, it's like, it was no longer, I mean, you see me, I still get off my cuff when I get pissed. I'm like, fuck you, you're a racist, goddamn white trash <laughs> son of a bitch. Like, it's hilarious to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm trying to entertain myself, but, um, <laughs> Just because I've had enough, like I am a fucking pissed off, fed up white person. Like I've had to be involved in these conversations my whole fucking life, and then you get raised by these pieces of shit who are telling you like you're less of a person because you're a woman, less of a person because you agree with black like Black Lives Matter. Like I remember at the point where like I didn't even fully understand like what I was supporting yet, but I knew that. I wanted to be on the right side of history. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's important. It's uh And so I started joining the conversation and you know, whatever, and like I had an uncle literally fucking sending me emails of black people and being like, This is why they're fucking monsters. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, well fuck you. Like and, yeah. but again, like I was just like, ew, you're disgusting, but I didn't know how to say why you're disgusting yeah it's 
Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, you know, like, like it takes a lot of research. And I think that most people, they just don't want to take the time to actually look it up. Yeah. You know, and so it's all there. I talked to white fragility. I was already taken on the rhetoric or the, you know, the, I said, I've been saying rhetoric way too much tonight. I already took on the stance that I was just not going to be offended. I was just going to be open minded enough to fucking learn. You know, because I follow enough people through social media that, you know, I'd seen things where it did offend my white fragility. You know, so they, one, one writer in particular, and I cannot even fucking remember her name now, but, like, she had posted something about, like, not wanting to talk to white people. And I'm like, well, how does that solve the problem? But, <laughs> yeah. you know, but she's had enough. Like, she, again, it's not her job to educate me. It's not her job to fucking... She doesn't have to like me because I'm some crunchy white girl who wants to do better. It's not enough to be kumbaya and fucking, again, light some candles and hope that everything will just get better. Yeah. You know, so you it's just you have to be broken down enough. And again, I mean, I'm in therapy, lots of therapy, and we learned how to actively listen. Where you listen to somebody else without fucking interrupting and just let... You know, and again, you just have to put your own shit down yeah. to learn about somebody else's plight, you know? And my goal is to be relatable to people. I, I'm a hairdresser. I am a natural, like a naturally empathetic person. I'm a fucking underpaid psychologist, all the fucking things. So I'm in right in the right position to be learning these things and then speaking to them, to anybody who's going to listen. Yeah. That's and so I just plunged in full face forward because there was no time to hold back anymore. Like I've learned this information and here we are. And I've been wanting to have a voice, but it wasn't my, you know, I didn't feel like it was my place yet. And I don't know if it's my place now, but again, you're my friend. Your child is, I've rooted for you guys. So it's time to do better for you guys. Cause you're my family. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. We're gonna come out there someday. I've always Jesus. had a question for you and and Krista and you know and you can even ask her God like I've probably sounded like the dumbest white person in a million years because you know and almost like somebody who was fetishizing you know as they say black bodies because like I just wanted to have that connection and that understanding and that empathy and that relatability and you but you, again you can't do that if you're only listening to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just like, I mean, me and Krista had so many interesting conversations. Like, I, I feel like I should have talked about these things before, you know, with her. But I was just like, you know, I just kind of downplayed shit a lot. And when she when she asked me about the talk, I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> like, you're not supposed to know these things. But, I mean, it's a thing that people go through. And I'm, I'm glad she asked. And, you know, my, my ex, who was also, you know, a white girl, white woman, she, um... Mm-hmm. she didn't give a shit about me being black you know she actually right. used i mean she used it against me really i mean when, when we got divorced you know she tried to say that i i uh abused her and i was just like i wasn't even what the fuck are you even talking about <laughs> like <laughs> i was overseas and I was, how the fuck did i abuse right. her? yeah and so yeah used that against me to, to get my daughter and i was just like and the, the judge didn't give a shit i was it was in michigan and he, i think all he saw was a, another black dude and i was just like yeah 
Okay. Well, I guess I'm. Well, how many times have you like seen in the news lately where it's like a judge is like, "Oh, that person's guilty." I can just tell by fucking looking at him. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, we need to redo. I mean, this and this is what's crazy about like the because I actually, I had to do a lot of shit on my own, even though I had a, a couple of lawyers, but they were fucking morons. And I yeah. actually I got further on my own than with a lawyer. And what I came to well, realize, like how many t- you know, like lawyers are just telling you to like do the easiest thing. Yeah. You know, or you're black, so and you know, and or like, let's see, there's just mercy out. There's another the Brian, Brian Banks story maybe. Yeah. And they're you know a lot very similar in like the plight of like what a black person goes through in the court system, and um, they're like, just take the deal. Just take the deal. Yeah, I'm not taking a deal. The, 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 honestly, the only reason... It was I, the first bank story. That's what it was. That kid, I fucking... I can't even remember what happened, but he fucking landed himself in some trouble, and his lawyer was like, take the deal, take the deal, you're not going to get in trouble, and then he got fucked. Yeah, you're going to get fucked. Yeah. Fucked. And then you're once you're in the system, like it's very difficult to get out. Yep. And like the, the only reason why I... I because I fought for, you know, my oldest daughter, Lily, for, like, three, four years. And after a while, I was just, like, it got to a point. The only reason why I stopped fighting is because she wanted to stay with her mom. And, like, when she said that, right. I was, like, you know what? I'm not going to I'm not gonna take you out of an environment that, you know, you, you feel more comfortable in. But then, after the fact, like, I saw these things that they were saying about me to her that she didn't even want to, like, even address. Like, she just, like, totally... She got, like, brainwashed. Like, I literally have a video of my daughter um because she had like one of our phones and she Mm -hmm. was saying that i went overseas to get rich and it's like that's not why i went overseas and i was just like what the fuck is going on here and that's what they would tell her that's what they told my daughter is i went overseas to get rich and i was like what the fuck like i had to pay off fucking tens of thousands of dollars of debt to uh for me and my ex that's the reason why i went overseas and what I haven't told her is that a week after I left to go overseas to pay off all that fucking debt, my fucking ex, she quit her job and didn't even tell me. I was just like, right. what the fuck is going on here? And yeah, it was just like a whole shit show. I, you know, yeah. everybody goes through some shit, you know? Yeah. And adversity. We have... Adversity. That's the fucking word I've been looking for. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <fucking> in... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's uh. crazy. I'm glad I'm not doing any of that shit anymore, you know, going through the court system anymore. Like, me and my, my oldest daughter, we have a good relationship now, or at least a better one. You know, I'm still trying to work on it with her. We never had a bad relationship, but, you know, the way she was raised in Michigan and but my standards. All of you out there, and I know enough. Yeah. Know about her mom and the bullshit and BS and all of it. Especially recently. Yeah. This, yeah, this but uh, I had faith in your kid, too. She's so much like you. Yeah. Yeah. She really is. Like, she cracks me up. I love her. Especially she even looks like you. Yeah, crack up when, like, it's, like, just her and me. She's, like, show it. Like, obviously, like, there's always, like, a little bit of a different dialogue when, like, Chris is in the room versus when it's just me and Lily in the room. And, like, she's so much like you. It cracks me up. <laughs> she can be an asshole sometimes. It's, like, she gets, like, her, her sarcasm. We can all me. be assholes sometimes, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, like, yo, you can't say that, kid. <laughs> it happens. Cracks me up. My kids do the same shit. I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> not around the people, <laughs> you know. Yeah. No, you're an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got to figure it out later on. Not, not right away. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, you know, ra- raising kids is interesting. Did, how how has it been for you, like raising kids, especially now? I mean, you just turned forty. I'm yeah, I'm forty. Like, how how has your yeah. journey been like, just growing up and like raising kids now? Because you have two or three kids. I am a blend family of three, so I have two that I've birthed and a stepdaughter. Okay. So and then both my older, you know, my older kids. Those are the blended ones. Are um. 50-50 with the other parents. Oh. Uh, I have zero invested in the courts. Like, we've never, like, her dad and I, we never even got married. We never even, we, ne- we never took anything to the courts. So, like, definitely, like, there was some spitting matches here and there, but there's never been anything, like, we've always just worked really hard to parent together. Yeah. And, um, and we've, you know, on my side, we fortunate, you know, um, not that we've always gotten along, not that we've always agreed with everything, but on the whole, like, we try, we just try. It's never been about us. It's been about them. And then, you know, and then thankfully, like her, my oldest daughter's stepmom is a fucking feminist as fuck. So she's been right there at the marches too. You know, we've been to marches together. She's taking my daughter to marches this weekend. And, and, uh, so we've been lucky, but we've also had hard times, like, that I can't even, you know, I can't even get into right here. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I've had some pull my hair out. Maybe we shouldn't be married because we're going to damage this kid more by staying together situations, you know? Hmm. And so I, it's not been easy. It's not been easy being, I'm fucking tired all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all the time like my youngest child is the most free-spirited fucking little shit there ever was like she doesn't sleep worth a lick and i have just learned to really take a completely different approach at life with her and realize that my control won't break anything because i don't have any with her (laughs) my control is okay like you're awake it's 2 a.m Here's the iPad so I can go back to sleep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, sleep. Fine, don't sleep. I but I need to sleep because that's my sanity. Yeah. And my sanity needs to be prevalent for everybody to function. So if you need to go watch fucking TV at two o'clock in the morning so that I can sleep, fucking go for it because I'm not going to stay up all night fighting with you to go back to sleep. It's not going to happen anyway. Yeah. Half the time she ends wandering around the fucking house all night like a fucking. <laughs> has has that gotten worse like during this COVID thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh and then like just the extra like there's definitely been some digression in like um the clinginess. Like the clinginess is level ten these days and I'm just like, Whoa, what happened to my independent child that didn't need anything from anybody? Yeah. So and like... now you need to be attached here twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, we saw getting attention. Yeah, it's like once you take kids away from like their friends and stuff, it's like, whoo, shit, especially at a young age, shit gets fucking weird quick, you know? Yeah, before school, like she was fine. Like, I mean, I still, I mean, obviously I played with her, but she also had times of like being able to play by herself. Yeah. And he has completely lost the ability to play by herself at this point. Yeah. Riley has like a bunch of imaginary friends. She had zero imaginary friends before this started. Now she has upwards of like. Okay. It's like more than five at this point. And I'm just like, okay. holy shit. <laughs> oh, 
I'm imaginary fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we play with her, but then she's also. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, we play with Riley, but it's just like she'll be talking about her her friend, Cece and Sosa, and those other fucking. I'm like, okay, you do you. <laughs> so. Hey, my daughter tends to make up a lot of stories these days, which I think are kind of fucking funny. But like my my sister in law is like, she lied to me. <laughs> she's lying so much. She's just fucking razzing you because, like, you know, she'll watch what the fuck ever. And then she's like, oh, my swim teacher, John. And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and then my sister-in-law gets mad. I'm like, she's just fucking making up stories, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I mean, obviously I want my kid to socialize again and go to, like, have more people to interact with. But it's like, man, it's it's hard to take that risk. Yeah, like We're taking a risk, like a small risk now. But it's still a risk. Yeah. You know, and now we have yeah. like, there was a kid that she would go to school with over the past couple of weeks. It was mm-hmm. just him and her for a while. And yeah. now the, the other kid's gone. So I'm like, well, what the fuck happened to the other kid? Like, right. <laughs> is he sick? Like, I don't know. So next week, if if something happens, we're, we're going to pull her out of school. And it's like, I'm not even going to feel bad about it. You know, I just you can't take the yeah. risk. Well, it's like at this point, too, like, you know, I have kids. I have one that's in a charter school. And um, so, again, let's get back into that real quick. My daughter goes to school in Stockton. Whoa. You know how many times people ask me? Yeah. Oh, so how many black kids go there? What the <laughs> fuck does it matter? That's code. That's this code. Code. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, And, again, when you come from the melting pot and – by no means will I ever say that this made up for my lack of ignorance. But, again, the melting pot uh, that is the Bay Area for me, after especially after being out here so, for so long, like, do you know how at home I felt going to the Wu-Tang concert last year? <laughs> oh, and I was like, oh, there's everybody here. There's all the colors. There's brown, black, gray, fucking everything in between. And there's... Dudes dressed like gangsters, and there's fucking nerdy little white kids. I'm like, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Like, that's what makes me comfortable. That's what makes me happy. And, like, I was super excited to have my kid going into school that was heavily multicultured. Yeah. Versus, like, the school she was at. Like, there's a few black kids there. And then, you know, and I would say a few, you know, a lot more Mexican kids and then a lot more white kids. And again, it's like, you don't, what do you learn from that? Well, I think we were fortunate. I mean, you know, we went to school in Newark and it's just like, it was, everybody was there. Everybody. It's so interesting too. I'll say this. I have a family member that is in high up in corrections Mm -hmm. and same thing. Like this is not a person you would know that could go into a corrections facility and be the most cutthroat person you've ever met because that's not how they are outside. Yeah. Wait, again, let's get into that real quick because this person retired uh, last December um, and I got to see firsthand, like, because this is somebody I have a lot of conversations with about reform and getting black bodies out of prison. Yeah. Especially ones that are fucking petty fucking drug crimes, like, especially fucking marijuana. Like, why are there people still in in jail for marijuana, you know? Yeah. So, but to go to this person's retirement party and see it be, again, 
nothing but good old boys. Yeah. Running the fucking system. And I'm like, and the things that they said, I was just like, I fucking want to punch all of you. Like we've learned nothing. This is, this is the per like, these are the people still running our systems, pretending like they give a shit, but they really don't. They really don't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, uh, I'm going to have him on the podcast. The, the, if you ever heard of Mr. X on the podcast, he's actually, uh, he's a sheriff. And he works, okay. he works at one of the prisons. I'm not going to say which one. He works at a prison here in the area. We're really good friends. And mm-hmm. we're going to do a podcast where like, we break stuff down. And it's probably going to be very uncomfortable for both of us to talk about it. Um, but yeah. we're going to have to talk about it. So, like, listen, we got to talk about it. Because I want people to get, like, the other side of the story on this. And we might not agree. But we're still friends. Um, and his life But it's is- just that needs to be had and if anything like if again if you can sorry i totally interrupted you but it's if you okay. can create new questions create new questions yeah for further conversation i expect to hang up tonight and need to talk to you like for another two hours because i'm gonna have 500 things i knew i should have said to you <laughs> <That's all. laughs> we, we can do more than one so it's it's fine um but yeah i had another friend who was a police officer in sf sfpd and i, I reached out to both of them at the same time in the same chat group I was like, you know, I'd like to have you guys on because, you know, I know you guys see, you know, my podcast. And I, I know both of them listen to the podcast. I was like, some of the things that you know, I've said on the podcast might make you uncomfortable. And um, I would like to give you guys a chance to come on the podcast and just talk about it. And one of the guys was like, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable. I was like, man, we could, you know, you know, I've got to show your face. We could distort your voice or whatever. You don't feel comfortable. I'm like, that's fine. That's his right. I totally get it. I hope he's not mad at me to this day because he's a good dude um yeah but I, I i want to really understand from their perspective how this all is because when i when i see uh was it derek derek chauvin the guy's name the guy that killed george murdered george floyd on fucking camera when i see a guy like that not only do i see another black man getting killed for no fucking reason i also see uh, my friends that are in law enforcement, their lives being put in danger because mm-hmm. all these fucking, you know, protests and then you have certain people are doing riots and some people are going to want revenge. And I don't want somebody to, to kill my friends because of this good old boy bullshit. You know what I mean? And I don't think that most people understand that is that I wanted to stop for, for both reasons because I don't want them to be put in danger. Right. Well, it's like this whole good old boy mentality and the sensationalism that it's like, I actually went and took time to like really read up on that word today because that's what it's like. You get this exploited, you get these fucking Tucker Carlson. Yeah, that guy. Oh, I hate that guy. And it completely distorts like any chance to have a real fucking conversation because like by acting big and blasphemous and bullying, you know, it shuts down a conversation. And it doesn't allow room, again, for empathy. Like, and what if all these cops were just trained in a little more empathy for people? Like, I love, you know, it makes my fucking day when I see a video. Like, I think I saw a video maybe yesterday of, like, a black cop with fucking boxing gloves on, you know, boxing another black dude in the street. Just for fun. Yeah. Imagine that. Like, that's the dream. That's how cops should be interacting with our community. And, like, again, if we didn't, have, like, create all these other problems, that's how it could be. 
Yeah, I mean, if if more police officers interacted with the community, I think it'd be better. Like, they walk the beat, you know, actually talk to people, like, hey, I'm here for There's you. There's no people. Yeah, but they don't. They don't do yeah. it. Like, mo- most police officers, they don't live in their in their same city. The vast majority. No, it's not even. Oh, I, at one point, like again, like I said, like I used to live with a cop, and he did live in his town. And but eventually, he's like, I gotta get out of here. Like I'm not even supposed to be here. It's dangerous for me. It's dangerous for you. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't even think about that. Like in case somebody did want to retaliate. Well, that's the thing. But like- if we get. Yeah, if we didn't have such, like, if we were, if we didn't have so much brutality in the first place, there'd be nothing to. Exactly. It's like, why? Retaliate. Yeah. They shouldn't feel the need to retaliate if you're treating them fairly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I, I need to have somebody to break it down to me. Um, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I do so, need, oh. I do need yeah, to get it's some getting late. Yeah, it is getting late. So, all right. We can, what, what's up? I said we can always talk again. Yeah, yeah, we can. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, and thanks for listening. And that was a good conversation. Yeah, it was good. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. And yeah, we will do it again. Oh, thank you for being open to it. You know, um, and I'm learning with everybody else. And I think, if anything, like even just seeing, like you know, everybody's learning this information together. It's all new and fucking what a great time to, we have this time to take it in. Yeah, we do. You know, I just thought about, this is fucked up. After this drops, this podcast, I'm going to have so many people reach out to me and be like, why don't you have me on the podcast? <laughs> it just, it fucking happens a lot. God damn it. So yeah. If, you, if you're listening to this and you got to this part, don't fucking ask me. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to give some little props, though, to Mama Prodigy. Oh, you listened to that one? I did. I fucking love her. I listened to it twice. I started it a couple weeks ago, and then I think, I mean, one, I have the focus of a gnat. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I started it, I think, I don't know if I fell asleep then and had to put it down, but then I went back and listened to it today, and God, she's just, when I, again, growing up in a broken home, I've always sort of idolized families who had their shit together or fucking taught their kids things and fucking gave them books to read. And yeah. she's got the heart and soul of everything. And then just her stories were amazing. And I loved her. Yeah. She's why I speak like this, her and my, uh, and my mom, people say, yeah. well, I speak correctly. I speak in the common tongue in America. I don't speak white. <laughs> so, yeah, it's because she was you know, in, in the future. I actually wanted to sit with, you know, and just food for thought to throw out there at the end of the night, like, in this construct for change, why does it bother white people to see a group of black people on the porch or, or on the steps, steps of a Capitol building? Why does, why does that scare you? Why is that scare, scared you enough to create the NRA to protect you know, to keep black people from getting armed. But then when we're forced to fucking shut down and wear masks, like all these white people on a capital step, why is that okay? Well, you know what's crazy? Why is that? This is a... Uh... Like that terrifying to me than seeing, like, but again, so deeply ingrained that like, I grew up thinking Black Panthers were bad. I grew up thinking Malcolm X was bad. Yeah. Same thing with Louis Farrakhan. If you go back and like, listen to him, it's like, what they say is kind of legit. 
Um, did you know yeah. that there's like a, a link between the NRA and the Black Panthers? Did you know about that? A what? Uh, there's a link between the NRA and the Black Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, like um, most people don't know, but the, the NRA previous to uh, the Black Panthers going to Sacramento and meeting Ronald Reagan, which is kind of weird, just a really weird story, but um, NRA didn't have any political ties. They were just right. all about their gun rights. You know what I mean? They would go yeah. out and shoot and all that shit. But then once California uh, decided to stop open carrying because they saw black people were open carrying and defending themselves um, because of police brutality, that's when the NRA was like, oh shit, they can take our guns too. That's when they became political advocates. But then they conveniently leave at the time and even to this day, except for a, a certain handful of uh, African-Americans like uh, Coleon Noir, who's, who got fired for some reason. Um, yes. they'd leave out black gun advocacy out of, like, all their messages, you know? Yep. Uh, okay, before, I, I know you gotta get some soup, so just explain to me real quick Reagan meeting with the Black Panthers, because, like, I actually just listened, I was listening to some fucking Angela Davis, um, you know, live word, whatever, and she actually, like, was fired from UCLA because of fucking Reagan. Yeah, yeah. So the Angela Davis thing, I need to do more research on because I know about her. And cause one of the reasons I know about her is because she actually won her case, uh, which is yeah. back then was super fucking rare. But with the yeah. Black Panthers and Ronald Reagan, it was totally uh, random. So the okay. Black Panthers, they, they were in, uh, they're based out of Oakland, and they drove um, with their firearms to Sacramento to, um, to protest against um, the laws that they were going to do so you couldn't open carry anymore. Because what they would, this right. is what the Black Panthers would do. At the time in the '60s, there was like a lot of police brutality, and they figured the only way that we're going to stop this is open carry, and any, they would follow the police around. And anytime the police would pull over somebody that was black, they would just stand around them with their with their firearms out and be like, they would just—it's called auditing. They would just audit them, be like, right. hey, "We're going to make sure that you're doing your fucking job and you're not beating the shit out of somebody." And so that's when everybody started getting really uncomfortable. And that's when they started writing up new gun laws. So. When they went to Sacramento, it happened to be during a time when Ronald Reagan was doing a photo op in the, at the same building. And so okay. Okay. when they saw all these, the, the media was there, and they saw all these Black Panthers open carrying their firearms, they were like, well, fuck Ronald Reagan. Let's see the Black Panthers. Like, wh why are you here? And then Ronald Reagan actually talked to them briefly. And then that's when you had, like, this whole interaction. And, yeah, it was just it was totally by chance. Right. Yeah. They okay. It wasn't planned. There, there's, a, there's a PBS um, movie on the Black Panthers. I forget, but it's Black Panthers something. It's a good documentary because they, they just re-released it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be looking it up because again, now like you know, when you start waking up to the fact that you've just really been lied to your whole life, and the way the media sent, uh, played everything up to make people appear bad that they weren't, you're just like fuck. Yeah. You, people believed in it yeah anyway and, and like and all of a sudden i have a sudden interest in history i never had before because i find this history a lot more interesting than the bullshit we were supposed to be learning in high school yeah it is it, well because in high school we kept learning the same fucking bullshit yep and it was it I, there's only so many times you can tell me about you know edison and fucking uh I, I, there's like a litany of fucking white people that i learned about i'm a stepper Nobody talks about the fact that he owned over 600 slaves. Yeah, yeah. It was revolutionary. Not saying he wasn't, but... Yeah. Anyways, 
I'll let you get some sleep. All right. <laughs> Hopefully you can get some sleep, too. <laughs> All right. All right, thanks. Bye. Bye.